Hi, welcome to your neighborhood pharmacy. Hi, I've got a prescription for diabetes test strips. How much is the copay? Well, it depends on your type of commercial insurance and factoring in your yearly spend, subtracting the deductibles, also depending on your monthly Ugh, allowance. Why can't there be a better option? Or you could try Contour Next test strips. A 35 counts only $19.99 over the counter and proven to be highly accurate. Go to contournext.com slash radio to see if over-the-counter strips are a more affordable option for you. Hmm, I think I'll try Contour Next. And now we will wait for Bill WD-40 to get into our Spreaker chat room to lube us up for tonight's show because you always want to go in smooth when you enter a show. Smooth. Steve Franchise, thank you for joining us. Hi, Double Day and Shiny Ray. Good to have you both here. Shiny Ray, you finally got a night off. Wow. Good to have you back. And uh, we got like a minute here. We do. We got like a minute or something like that. And then we're going to bring in Varla Ventura. Yeah, she. just so you know, uh, Varla has brushed her teeth three times today. Three times. And, uh, yeah, so they're nice and shiny for tonight. Nice and shiny. Uh, D. Cohen, how you doing, buddy? Good to have you here. Uh, don't forget, I will be in uh, San Francisco, March 17th through 19th for UFOCon 2023. And uh, make sure you check that on on out because we'd love to see you get tickets for that at UFOCon2023.com. Come see old Davey there. And, uh, yeah, we've got like uh, 10 seconds. Our store is open on our website. Super Chat is open. Hi, Anthony. How you doing? It's that time once again, my friends, for us to throw up our horns. Get ready to rock because this is going to be a good one. Let's do this. From the mountains of central British Columbia, to you listening around the world, this, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show and our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at YouTube.com forward slash spaced out radio do old Davey the favor hit that subscribe button you can follow us on twitter at spaced out radio instagram at spaced out radio show and on tiktok at spaced out radio our website spaced out radio.com we have a plethora of features for you rock out to bumblefoot read the news wire check out our swag as well tonight's show is brought to you by chive charities help make the world 10 percent happier by visiting Chive Charities today, you can find them on our website. Power Show of Woo tonight. Varla Ventura is back for our cryptid world. Then in hour number three, we are going to join the swamp with Swamp Dweller. Super Duke will be here for the abbreviated cryptid report. I've got the Dave 101, and we'll get into some weird news as well. Varla Ventura has been doing this show for the last number of years in a little ditty we call monthly. Our Cryptid World. Varla is an accomplished, award-winning author. 
Her books can be found at any major bookstore. And she looks into the darker side of the cryptid world. It's not just about Bigfoot and Dogman. It's about everything else that is screaming and yelling and torturing us throughout the night. From nightmares to nightmarish creatures, Varla has studied them all and has brought them forward for all of us to learn more about. Her website is varlaventura.net. Varla Ventura, it is always a pleasure to have you here. And I notice you've already got your hair ready for our Las Vegas event, May 19th through 21st. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, your hair is looking on par tonight. How are you? Thank you so much. Thanks for having me back. Uh, I'm great. I'm feeling great. Had an a accomplished day and now an accomplished night. You sound so, so excited. Go me. <laughs> so there you have it. I went for a haircut earlier today. I did. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, I, I literally got sheared. Literally got sheared. And uh, probably a little too short considering it's 20 uh, degrees below Celsius here. And uh, it's cold. And, well, at least it stopped snowing for the time being, which is always nice. But, you know, it's it's something that you just got to do every now and again is is go to that hair place and uh, let them go nuts with the scissors, which is what I did. But I, I love my hairstyle. She's amazing. She's amazing. I just I just sit in her chair and say, make me look pretty like you. That's all I need is to look pretty like you. And then she swats the back of my head, shut up, and then starts cutting. Excellent. Exactly what you need. Pretty much. Pretty much. I will say this. You know what? I, I, I don't know about you. I don't get a lot of time to relax. Okay? Because What's I'm, that? Exactly. <laughs> so when I go for it when I go for a haircut, I always I always make sure that whoever is cutting my hair realizes that, you know, when they go to shampoo your hair and then they put that real funky conditioner in and then they start massaging your hair for every extra like yeah. minute or so, I tip more for that. And <laughs> just keep it going. Just keep going. Put me just to bed. Keep it going. Just put me to sleep yep. right there. And <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it's so comfy. I got, I got the elongated head massage today, which is nice. You know, and I, I was nice. totally in power thought, nice. and she started pressing me, like right on top of the forehead here, and I was just like, "Huh, what am I talking about? What am I talking about?" She goes, she, <laughs> "Yeah, I had one of those days. It was awesome." Dropped out mid sentence. Exactly, <laughs> Varla. Every Doesn't time matter we, anymore. <laughs> every time we have you on the show, there's always new people tuning on in, learning all about you. How does a beautiful young lady such as yourself get addicted to monsters? Oh, go on. Um, I have just always loved the villains. I was, you know, from a young age, from even as a kid, I always kind of rooted for the villains in, in all of the movies and books. And I had a probably somewhat, I don't even know if I should admit this, but I had a, a, a some I had an infatuation with quite a few of the, um, you know, lead killers in the popular horror movies of the time. <laughs> just I just loved them so much. Um, so in addition to just probably being exposed to things that my young mind maybe wasn't ready for, um, 
I was raised in a very occultish household. Uh, my mom is a witch and always kept a lot of um, interesting books and things like that around. You know, I learned to read Tarot at a very young age. We spent a lot of time in cemeteries. Um, was exposed to astrology, um, the works of Aleister Crowley, Dion Fortune when I was you know, pretty young and maybe didn't fully understand. I know I didn't fully understand what I was, <laughs> what I was dabbling in, but still kind of, I think, absorbed that on some level. Um, and I've just always, you know, I, I've always been interested in that. I like horror movies. I like um, scary stories. And that sort of led me um, down the path of discovering some of those stories in the, um, you know, the flip side of the fairy kingdom. And, um, you know, I just, I love collecting, collecting um, those kinds of stories, whether it's dark creatures or, um, you know, terrifying tales or other people's um, hauntings or having my own paranormal experiences of which I've, I've had enough to, I guess they're normal for me. (laughs) So, you know, basically just born on a dark path, I guess. And a good path for you because you become a very yeah. successful writer off of it. When when you look at everything that that you have seen and you have learned, what is there anything out there that really frightens you anymore about the monsters that could be walking among us? I feel like with any monster or any kind of ghost or um, uh, circum, I think any kind of circumstance that might be threatening, it really, it really does come down to like how and where you meet. So walking alone in the woods versus walking alone on a city street. I mean, you know, there's being, being alone. I spent a lot of time alone. So I think, I think the things that scare me tend to scare me after the fact rather than at that moment, because I find that a lot of the um, sort of supernatural experiences I've had, I don't particularly realize that they're supernatural at the time. My brain is kind of processing them um, trying to explain them away. Um, But having said that, there are some pretty terrifying and extremely dark fairy creatures, especially in Irish lore. Um, The Banshee, Changelings, um, some of the trickster fairies. There's some pretty, pretty um, freaky stuff in there that, you know, suddenly every, everything you hear scratching on the window outside and the North wind howling is suddenly seems a little more menacing than just the weather. Right. (laughs) No, oh, I, I hear you. I hear you. Out of all the monsters that you believe that you have written about and learned about over the years you've been doing this, some may say decades. I won't. But some some don't. should say decades. <laughs> How many of those monsters do you think people are actually interacting with and encountering? I mean, I think for anything to exist, especially a creature that has, um, you know, stories have been told for generations and generations, 
I think that even some of the most extreme cryptids have um, there's truth in them. Uh, whether whether it's the exact same experience as it's been described, or um, you know, I'm not I'm not really here to pass judgment on whether or not people have actually authentically seen or had those experiences because I've had enough and I know enough people who have that I don't feel in a place to say, oh, well, yeah, but, you know, we know you made that one up. I, I don't really feel that I'm in a, a, a place to say, uh, like, numbers-wise, but I would think that, you know, the majority of the creatures that are reported on are coming from more than one person having an encounter, and that's kind of how it becomes that phenomenon. Um, so I'm going to say majority, and then I also think that what we use, like some of our terminology, like our vocabulary is limited with what we're experiencing. And so, um, you know, stories are passed down through generations, creatures um, migrate, people have different languages. So our words are sometimes we may call something one thing and, but we actually may be describing something that's been seen for, for hundreds, if not thousands of years. So there's always that, um, you know, it's like a game of telephone. And I think of that when I think of folklore and sharing stories and cryptids that there's, there's a degree of telephone in there. Um, but in itself, I, I actually, I, that's one of my favorite parts about it. Um, the telling of stories and the retelling of stories and sharing of stories and experiences is in itself a form of magic and um, actually really kind of works right in with fairy time, which is the suspension of belief and, or rather the suspension of disbelief and the ability to kind of suppress doubt if even for that moment. And so I think that just the art of storytelling proves um, the existence of these creatures and, and shows their value. Okay, that's a nice way of dodging the fact that it's werewolves or or uh, saber-toothed <laughs> tigers or, or something along those lines. Give me something here, Varley. We've been doing this long enough. I need an answer. Help me out here. Like, help me help you. What, do I believe that these things are real? Is that the question? Which, creature, which that... creatures do you believe are real? <laughs> Almost all of them. Um, and actually, uh, I just learned about a new cryptid today. So I uh, definitely think that werewolves are real. Totally believe in Bigfoot. Totally believe in mermaids. Um, I mean, I, don't, I honestly don't care if people think I'm crazy because, you know, someone's buying my books. <laughs> so um, all of those, um, like banshees, um, any of those kind of... Uh, things that straddle that world of fairy and Irish folklore. I believe in all of that. Um, a better question might be what I, what don't I believe in? Because there's, there's not a lot, you know, I'm a supernaturalist. I, I think these things are, are real and they're among us and people are experiencing them. And uh, you know, I also think that there's reasons that we don't see them all the time. I don't think we can fully handle being, forever surrounded by you know werewolves i think there has to be some degree of um 
of mystery. Also, as humans, we tend to just like shoot everything that scares us. So um, that's a good reason for cryptids to to stay away. What don't you believe in? <laughs> what don't I believe in? I um, well, there's a few kind of strange newish cryptids that I'm not entirely. I mean, I have no experience with, you know, and, and we know that some of them are kind of internet phenomenons, you know, like the, the slender man and things like that. Um, so there's a few, there's a few, sometimes someone will share a story with me or I'll hear a story and I'll think, mm, I can't tell if this person's just trying to, just trying to like fit in with a, a paranormal world. Um, I mean, there's, there's, there's probably a couple things that I, I, I do think mermaids are, are real. And I, I think they're really, really vicious and um, uh, evil. So I don't really think of, you know, like flowing haired um, little lobster friending mermaids. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, there's not, <laughs> there's not a lot. There's not a lot I don't, I don't believe in. Just because I haven't seen it or experienced it myself doesn't mean um it can't be out there very true very true i mean i could just imagine what it would be like being a sailor back in the day when there wasn't people everywhere and you're in some foreign tropical area where all of a sudden you see a human head pop out of the water speaking your language and all, oh, yeah. and you don't even realize that all hell is about to break loose. I couldn't imagine yeah. that. Well, I mean, there's so many really terrifying creatures are associated with water, and I think that's pretty that's pretty interesting because you know, obviously, water has the ability to kill us, just you know, at any given point. Uh, so there's definitely like you know, the idea of, of mermaids and their kind of misdirection. There are some good stories about mermaids, um, you know, rescuing people and, and uh, directing sailors away from rocks and things like that. But by and large, you know, they're kind of out to uh, get you to join them uh, in the watery, in the watery deep. But there's also tons of um, other kind of water creatures. In fact, I just learned about a new cryptid. Well, it's not a new cryptid, but it's new to me. And I'm actually a little embarrassed that this has been off my radar for so long because I'm such a fiend for um, Irish folklore. So I'm going to see if I can say the, the name right when I wrote down the pronunciation. Uh, it's called uh, Daragu. And it's a little different than the Daragu is, uh, is another kind of creature, but this is the Daragu. And it's actually a half sort of like vicious dog half otter and it lives in freshwater lakes especially in Ireland and it really dislikes people and will tear them limb from limb and there have been quite a few sightings of these um, going as far back uh, in recorded history anyway as far back as like the 1600s uh, where stories have been written down um and one of them was about a woman who was down by this lake um, in County Mayo, and she was she was washing something, uh, probably in the lake in the fresh water. And her husband later f- 
found her and she was torn apart and he saw this sort of sleek otter like creature, but they're huge. They're not just like the size of a cute little playful otter. Although otters are actually secretly pretty, you know, they're pretty vicious creatures. Anyway, there's this, this basically hybrid of an otter that stalks people and climbs up out of the water and will devour them. Apparently this woman was then, um, she's buried in a cemetery some miles from there and the cemetery uh, on her grave is supposed to actually have a carving of this creature. So the next time in Ireland, if I'm passing through that area, I'm going to see if I can find that, um, that grave. So um, yeah, I mean, there's other water creatures. There's, there's various sort of like bog things, Um, you know, Jenny green teeth who pulls you down into the, into the water, into the bog. Um, You've got your, uh, your selkies and your seahorses, the kelpies, um, which are part, part sort of, horse and and part sea creature and they also they they can be helpful and sort of guide you across the water and guide your ship across the water but they can also cause a sudden storm and basically just you know drown you whenever they're if you don't if they don't like you you know those giant otters have apparently been seen up here in north america in the northern reaches as well in alaska yes yes they're like six foot otters Yes, yes. And, and um, one of the, uh, I was reading a story earlier on like uh, Irish Central, which is just a cool website, an Irish news site. And they had an account of, um, of these things being seen in like, as recently as 2000. That was like the most recent that where somebody had like actually um, seen them and, and, you know, documented documented it somehow um there are there were no pictures that i've seen i don't know if you've ever seen pictures of these things there's a lot of drawings especially old sort of um you know woodcut illustrations Mm -hmm. and they look they look very much like an otter but of of an enormous size like you know kind of like in the princess bride where there are new wiper blades but not sure which ones are right for you the professional parts people at o'reilly auto parts can help we'll show you options for your vehicle and even install your new wiper blades for free right now save ten dollars per pair on bosch focus wiper blades so you can see better in any weather stop by your local o'reilly auto parts today oh, 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 O'Reilly. auto parts Start your future at Eastern Shipbuilding Group and begin a new career that offers long-term financial stability, increased wages, bonuses, with full benefits. Eastern Shipbuilding, located on the world's most beautiful beaches in Panama City, Florida, has been committed to producing the highest quality vessels for our customers for over 40 years. Now, hiring first-class ship fitters, welders, electricians, pipe fitters, and many more. Offering a relocation bonus and the potential to exceed $80,000 or more for most of our top craft positions with incentive bonuses and overtime. Apply at Eastern Shipbuilding. R-O-T-S's, R-O-U-S's, rodents of unusual size, but these are otters of unusual size. And uh, yeah, pretty exciting. So I'll let you know if I run into one because I'll be over there in a couple of weeks. So, Well, hopefully you don't. Uh, When you're over in Ireland, are you going to be looking for any gnomes or leprechauns? 
I am actually um, doing a little bit more pirate research than anything. Um, but I'm sure I'll, I'll be stumbling upon. I, I do plan to visit a couple of, um, uh, you know, like burial uh, carns that are sacred sites. And then there's two or three spots that are known kind of fairy mounds. But I'm, I'm going to a part of a couple of different places. One place I've been to before and then another area I've never been. And one of the things I like to do when I'm there is kind of just get the you know, you just, you find the local candle, you know, the bell book and candle shop and you go in there. And then the next thing you know, you get invited to like a, you know, a, a moonlight ritual. So I'm kind of hoping for something like that. That's, that's always fun. Um, and then I'm just going to be exploring a little bit of the pirate history of the pirate queen, Grace O'Malley, who ruled the West coast of Ireland in the, um, in the 16th century. And, lived a long and healthy life and married whoever she wanted and, you know, controlled a bunch of ships and had multiple castles and was basically a total, you know, amazing woman. So spending some time walking in her path. And then I'm sure we'll, I'm sure there'll be uh, creatures that pop up along the way. And there's always a good ghost or two somewhere you stay. A couple of ghosts, a couple of leprechauns, (laughs) some gnomes on the side. You know, frosted lucky charms in the morning. I, I think don't even think lucky charms are allowed in Ireland. This is just turn them. They turn them away at the port. <laughs> I don't know that. I don't know. I know uh, I'm out of them at my house. It's like, uh, that's honestly like the fourth time lucky charms have come up this week for just random reasons. That's what we do. That's what we do. Yeah, just that's what going we do. With the, uh, synchronicity. Corey says in the chat room, I've watched a video of an otter family killing a large caiman. I've seen that video too. I've seen that video on YouTube too. I mean, otters are as cute as they are. They're very vicious little yeah. buggers. That's for sure. Varla, I'm They gonna, really are. They really are. Varla, I'm going to get you to hold on right there because right. when we come back for the second half hour with Varla Ventura, we are going to talk about the darker side of some of these monsters. What do they really want from us? Why are they haunting us at night? We'll get into dreams, nightmares, things that go bump in the night. VarlaVentura.net is her website. You can find all of her books at any major bookstore or online or on her website, VarlaVentura.net. We'll be right back. I'm having one of those days where I've drank like feels like about 60 bottles of water and I'm still thirsty. Uh, uh, yeah. Have you got the heat cranked up because it's so cold? Oh, that's always yeah. what happens to me. Yeah, it is. It is cold here tonight. Our our ledges aren't lined up right now. Like, oh, yeah, you're going to line up the ledges. There, that. Almost That's up a little bit. kind of an awkward angle for me. Up but a little bit, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to like move it around. <laughs> ah, well, I'm so excited for May. Me too. Me yeah. 
too. Uh, I'm drinking <laughs> filtered water through the tap. And today I even had bottled water and all sorts of water. Varley, when do you when do you arrive in Vegas? Um, I haven't gotten my flight ticket yet. I just made a hotel reservation. Mm. Um, so I don't know yet. Remember, I need you there for the Friday night. I have, I have, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be there Friday and Saturday nights for sure. Um, I'm just not sure. That I was just looking. The flights are either early in the morning or like really late at night. So I'm trying to find something in between that doesn't get there at, you know, 11 o'clock at night on Thursday. Yeah. Um, but there's like a million there's a million flights, so I just haven't there is a haven't million. booked that yet. There is yeah, when are you getting there? Thursday? I'm getting there Thursday at four o'clock. Yeah. Yeah, I might just um do Thursday to Sunday because I was thinking about doing Friday to Monday, but I may just do Thursday to Sunday because I don't know. There's more flights um on Sunday than there are on Monday for me. Yeah. But well, they uh, come in Thursday. Yeah. On Thursday. That's allowed. Okay. That's allowed. Okay. You know, we, we, we're not going to kick you out and say you got to come back tomorrow. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm sure I can amuse myself. <laughs> it's Vegas after all. <laughs> it is Vegas. That is true. That is. I probably shouldn't be left unsupervised for too long just to warn you. <laughs> We'll make sure. Definitely, we'll not. make sure you're Definitely taken not. care of. We'll make sure you're taken. Yeah. Care well, of. I'll I'll either fly in Friday morning or I'm gonna see about just um, extending it on to Thursday night because I think that just I always like arriving earlier. Me too. Me too. So, have you got a lot of people booked already? Uh, yeah, we or confirmed, I should say. Yeah, I think we're around uh, fifty to sixty people so far that have emailed oh, that's in. Great, and uh, we're still hoping for a hundred. You know, and uh, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, we'll see how. What that did goes. you have last year, Dave? How uh, many people we, showed up last year? Uh, combined, we had sixty-two. Right now, combined, we'd okay. have probably seventy, seventy-four, somewhere in there. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's there's plenty of time for oh, people yeah. to still get on board. Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, just bring your your autograph sharpie. Practice your signature beforehand because <laughs> you know. I mean, you get around be uh, signing people's chests. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. You're gonna be signing uh, uh, arms and ears and necks and foreheads and <laughs> big toes. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I don't. I, lim- I limit my contact with other people's feet, so <laughs> it's just a little personal rule. <laughs> oh my! Oh my! Yeah, that's going to be so much fun, Dave. I'm really, really looking forward to it. 
Me too. So it's on my calendar, and uh, the the hotel was kind of the bigger part for me. The flights, yeah. there's a million flights. I mean, yeah. to be honest, I could drive if I had to. Um, probably won't because that's boring. But I'm just going to quickly say thank you to Vash the Impaler for the amazing super chat tonight, kicking things off. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. Hi, Low Pro. How you doing? And uh, we're going to get going here in about 10 seconds. Don't forget, you can get all your Spaced Out Radio gear at spacedoutradio.com. Here we go. Second half hour of Space Down Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Space Down Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can also check us on out on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple iTunes, Google Play, and every major podcast source out there. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. All right, Varla Ventura is back for our cryptid world. And, you know, Varla, we have tackled so many different types of topics on this show or the last number of years you've been doing this. But one where we really haven't dug into is dreams and nightmares and the monsters Ew. that come along with it. What's your thoughts on yeah. these uh, situations that have happened to each and every one of us? Well, that's true. We never have really gotten into dreams and nightmares. And that's something that um, I actually draw a lot of inspiration from both creatively and um, uh, just kind of in terms of what I might want to research next. Um, I mean, as a person who learned to lucid dream at a, at an age before I really knew what it was, I really do believe in the power of our dreams to kind of guide us and also give us clues because I, I think of dreams as a bridge into that other world and I know there's plenty of psychology behind the things that are happening in your brain. I don't really care about that, to be, to be honest, because I look at it in a much, much more esoteric way. I think, you know, astral projection and um, the ability to kind of leave your body at night also can really affect your dreams. And um, I'm sure many, many people have experienced actually something that's quite scary is that sleep paralysis. Um, I personally have had, you know, an uh, ongoing problem since I was young of not, of being conscious in dreams and not quite being able to, like, I can tell I'm not in my body. There's a little bit of like a trapped thing going on there. And so I think that there's, dreams are really this kind of gateway into that other world and nightmares as well. I also think they can be very therapeutic because, you know, sometimes you just have like a horrible, horrible nightmare and it's absolute worst case 
scenario is happening in this. And, um, you know, you wake up and you're actually kind of relieved. So it can be cathartic. Um, when I had, I had, you know, as you know, I had major surgery a few months ago and I was under anesthesia for about six hours, um, during the operation. And for now I am convinced that I woke up during the operation, which was totally like this fear. You know, I, I was convinced that I woke up during the operation. And one of the reasons that I, I, think that I woke up is that for three weeks following every single time I would fall asleep, which was a lot because I was, you know, recovering from surgery. Every single time I would fall asleep, I would go into like the most horrible doomsday nightmare that I could not wake up from. And to me, that was sort of a, like the manifestation of this feeling of like waking up and then being, being put back under, but being semi-conscious during part of the part of the surgery, but not conscious enough to say, oh, I saw X, Y, and Z. And I do think that that has a lot of similarities with some of the experiences that people, um, how they describe, you know, alien abductions or that kind of like lack of time and confusion where you're not, you can't necessarily give uh, this happened and then this happened and then that happened. And um, sometimes we dismiss things as being dreams or, you know, imaginary, but I actually, I think dreams have, you know, so much to tell us about what's actually happening in our, in the world around us that we're not willing to accept or acknowledge or, or see um, maybe because we can't handle it, you know, keep it a little bit cloaked in darkness, keep some of the mystery out there. The fact that nightmares have affected so many different people regarding, you know, everything from aliens to being chased by strange monsters in the forest or whatever it might be. I mean, it really is something that we, we have to wonder whether it is about imagination, whether it is about something that is truly teasing us or taunting us. It does. And it also brings to mind the question you know, I think that as humans were evolving, we frequently had rituals and things set aside for us at specific times that helped us to process this unknown that is around us. And as we have, you know, evolved and we have more immediate, um, information and all of these, you know, the, the, all the, you know, conveniences of the modern world, not saying people don't perform rituals. Of course, people are constantly performing rituals, but there's not as much of a group mindset about a ritual. I suppose if you go to church regularly, that's one of the powers of kind of, you know, being in a group of like-minded people with a specific intention, but we don't really mark the seasons in um, a collective way that allows us to sort of process the fact that we don't no, that even allows us to just willingly go into that other world to willingly take that transformation and, um, you know, go into trance and go into that other world and explore those, you know, far reaches of our mind. Um, instead we tend to, and I just say we like collectively, like in general, I, I, I know there are people out there that are working very hard to change this and that don't individually subscribe to this, but, 
you know, in general, we're not, we're not deliberately exploring those dark reaches of our mind. And so we're going to be subjected to them. Um, you know, so I, I, I think Dave, didn't you tell me about a, a very um, intense sensory deprivation experience you had? I think that was like a couple years ago. Yeah. In, in, in a, the dark in room. room. Yeah. In the dark room. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, in the dark room. Yeah. And that was, it was one of the greatest experiences I've ever had in, in kind of learning, you know, to use your senses in order to guide you and the things that, that you see, cause your eyes are wide open. You're wide awake. You can't blame it on dream time or imagination mm-hmm. and, and everything is happening. Like we were seeing ghosts. And the funny part about it is my friend Pascal was three feet away from me. I could not see him. That's how dark the room was. And, and what he was seeing outside of the solar system that was above us and in between us, because I don't know what else to call it, what he was seeing was completely different than what I was seeing. I would say, hey, do you see the person's head right beside me? He'd be like, no. I, I remember one time I looked at my hand and my hand was glowing right in front of me. I could see my fingers moving. I'm like, dude, can you see the glow off my hands? He was like, no. You know, so, wow. I mean, yeah. it's it, it gets pretty intense and you have to kind of go with it. But, I mean, uh, it's amazing what you see when deprived of what is natural. Yeah, and when you, as you said, willingly and consciously enter into this state of sensory deprivation and and you're conscious of it the whole time, which is something that I think, you know, we just don't really do that often. (laughs) I mean, you can, you can use substances, you can, um, you know, go through specific rituals. Some people use exercise as a form of that transformation, but it's not as much of a conscious crossing over that I just suspect that collectively our minds all kind of crave that crossing over and we're going to cross over into that other realm, that darker side, we're going to cross over there. And whether we have control over it or not is, is kind of um, a reflection on how much we willingly will explore that side. Um, Like I know one thing that has really helped me uh, just in processing, because I do think that dreams also, can um nightmares can be reliving trauma and it's a way um for us to look at that trauma in a different way and try and process those feelings and emotions and so part of lucid dreaming is the art of being conscious in a dream and changing the dream because you know you're in the dream and you know saying okay well this is actually what's going to happen next and um, when I was a kid, like this is just going back to like the, the witchy mom, but I was very, um, I, I must have been three or four years old because I just know, you know, what, where my bed was in the room and what house we lived in. And I had this nightmare and I woke up crying. And so my mom, just being my mom, she didn't come in and say, it was just a dream. She didn't come in and say, there's nothing to be scared of that wasn't real. She said, okay, tell me what happened. I told her what happened. I had fallen as, you know, running through this meadow and I fell in this giant ditch. And she said, all right, fall back asleep, run through that meadow, fall in that ditch again. And then 
Um, and then picture, you know, we had this great Dane, it was a giant dog. She said, picture the dog coming and dropping a rope down and pulling you out of the ditch. And so, you know, do, do what my mom told me to do. I fell back asleep. I had the dream. I was running through. I fell in the hole. I was totally scared. I looked up and the dog was there. And that actually, I think because I was so young, that taught me that there's control and consciousness in dreams. And I have, um, you know, been able to kind of recognize that it's not like every, every dream I'm like, Oh, I'm now I'm going to, I'm going to go visit Dave. <laughs> I, I can't always like control every aspect of it, but I can go back into a dream. I can, I can be conscious of, of the dreams and that can be really fun, but it can also be really scary because, um, you know, you start realizing that you, you actually have to take responsibility for who you are subconsciously as well. <laughs> Except in Vegas, of course. <laughs> oh, of course. There's always excuses for that. But, I mean, you know, some <laughs> some people cannot remember their dreams. Other people can, re- yeah. when they remember their dreams, they know something can happen. Like, for instance, I don't remember what I dreamt last night. But if aliens were in my dreams, I always remember. I always remember those snippets. That's how I kind of know what was going on. And... Start your future at Eastern Shipbuilding Group and begin a new career that offers long-term financial stability, increased wages, bonuses, with full benefits. Eastern Shipbuilding, located on the world's most beautiful beaches in Panama City, Florida, has been committed to producing the highest quality vessels for our customers for over 40 years. Now, hiring first-class ship fitters, welders, electricians, pipe fitters, and many more. Offering a relocation bonus and the potential to exceed $80,000 or more for most of our top craft positions with incentive bonuses and overtime. Apply at easternshipbuilding.com. When you stay at Averbo, you always get the whole home. Not part of it, but the whole upstairs, the whole downstairs, the whole fridge, the whole backyard, and the whole nap room. Because is it really a vacation home if you have to share it with a host? Only whole vacation homes, always all yours. Book on the Verbo app. I'm just, you know, a lot of people are like that. They can't remember their dreams unless something weird or strange is actually happening to them. And they wake up with scars on their body, scratches, maybe scoop marks or, or you know, teeth marks or whatever it may be. Well, I think the other thing that's very interesting about that are the kind of recurring dreams that certain people have like for you, you, you have recurring dreams about aliens. Like that's, it's not like it only happened to you one, like you, the, this is something that, that happens frequently. And I think um, one of my favorite, like uh, was listening to a podcast and someone was telling um, this story and it was hard to tell if they were dreaming or if they just entered into this alternate universe, but it was just this, really scary house that they had they would they would go back to it was like they kept finding themselves on you know the porch of this abandoned house in the middle of like a field in texas or something like that and um so i think that is actually really interesting and there's there's certainly some authors out there that have done um some of the more esoteric dream work not just about lucid dreaming but also about like 
what kinds of, um, you know, sort of the symbolism, right? But also sort of more just like what kind of recurring dreams can do for to people. Like, you know, some of us may return to the same place and it's just this place. It doesn't really make sense in the real world, but it's a place that you go back to and, and frequently dream about it. And then those are the more, those are the more memorable ones. And of course, it's always interesting to keep a dream journal, even if it's just three or four words that you write down, because there's the, the thing I love about it's that transition state between being asleep and being awake. Um, where, like I was saying, sometimes I feel trapped. I'm sure a lot of people have that experience. Um, but like that kind of transition when you wake up from a dream, especially if it was like a really interesting one or something that was very thought provoking and it still makes sense. But then as you sort of come into reality, some of the things that made perfect sense in the dream sort of start to fade. And so there'll be, you know, like a key phrase that somebody said to you, um, Something that I think is really interesting and that I have experienced a lot myself are visitations from the dead in dreams. That I find um, to be one of the most effective ways of communicating with the dead um, is is through dream work because it's a natural state of um, sort of lack of um, inhibition, I guess because you're asleep. Um, so there's some, there's some practices that you can do and some conscious thought that is involved in that. Um, but also sometimes, you know, dead will, the dead will come back. I've received messages, warning messages, and I have also had numerous conversations with people, um, about the kind of, um, communication that they've had with loved ones in dreams and people who are extremely psychic will often kind of go into a dream state when they are giving readings. Um, you know, they kind of go into like a, a stream of consciousness. But um, I think that's, you know, prophetic dreams, totally fascinating. There's a story that um, uh, that uh, the night that John Wilkes Booth uh, shot Lincoln... It was actually one of the, uh, uh, let's see, who was it? Was it, oh, I'll have to, I'll have to look it up. But one of the wives of um, uh, someone who was supposed to go to the theater with Lincoln, his wife had a dream the night before that he, that something bad was going to happen. And she insisted that they leave town and they did. And it turned out that this guy was on um, John Wilkes Booth's, hit list me was one of the one of the many people that he had intended to shoot along with lincoln but now i've forgotten the name of uh of who it was so i'll have to look at nice guy i'll look at my own book yeah that john John wilkes booth nice guy you know Uh, who does that who just wakes up in the morning and says yep gonna go uh to the theater and uh kill the president like who does that why would that even be a thing Varla Ventura is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. VarlaVentura.net <laughs> is her website as we got about six minutes to go before we go to break at the top of the hour. Did you find what you needed uh, there? Uh, it's it's in it's in the Book of the Bazaar, which is like, you can see this is written Varla's copy. Do not use. Um, it, this is the, this was my first book. 
and so I wrote it so long ago. So I'll, I'll find it. We don't have to. I'll, I'll find it and, and read it to you after the break. It's um just a little blurb okay. in there, and I just can't can't remember. But, but let's talk details. about premonition because a lot of people yeah. from you know the most famous being Nostradamus all the way to we, where we are today, people continue to believe that they are getting very precognitive or premonition premonitory dreams regarding what is going to yeah. happen you know, to the planet, whether it's earthquakes, whether it's the next big flood, whether it's uh, the flipping of the poles or asteroids or the Russians going stupid and pressing the red button. You know, there's a lot of people who have these and 99.99999% of them do not come true. But there is always right. that, that, that point, point zero, 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 one. And well, the thing about prophecies is they're always they they always tend to be more interesting after the fact, right? Because okay, you had a prophetic dream and you were able to to predict this thing that happened, but of course you don't know in advance. But I I have always found those kind of prophecies very interesting because you know one there's a mystery like is it is it really going to come true and how did this person come to that information and um, two I do think that there are sometimes collective and prophetic dreams that are that are like shared um i know somebody who's part of a sort of a very closed magical circle and he had um they have a symbol like their kind of like group symbol and they actually had 10 different members of this it's a you know maybe a 50 person group or so they had 10 different members on the same night dream of a different symbol and they all connected and found out that they had all dreamed of this different symbol and, um, you know, kind of like put it to the vote. Should we make this our new um, sort of amulet for the group? Because 10 different people on the same night had dreamed of this symbol, which is just amazing to me that they all were that in tune that they were having. I've always wanted to do that. I've never succeeded. I've always wanted to say, hey, OK, let's try and have the same dream. Let's see if we can meet in the astral plane somewhere or like figure out a way to have like a shared dream. I've never been successful with that. Um, probably because no one, no one takes me seriously. <laughs> I really want to do it, but I was, I just think it would be so cool. Um, but I also think it involves a lot of work because one of the problems, and I think this is why, you know, prophecies, 90, as you said, 99.99% of the time aren't true, is there's so much noise in the world now. And, and um, I once had a very famous psychic from New Orleans say, if you want to improve your psychic abilities, you know, spend a week without the newspaper, spend a week without your telephone, spend a week without, you know, this is just to date myself, this was before the internet, <laughs> but it was still like, you know, the idea that there was all this noise around, you know, our televisions are constantly on, um, our radios are on, which they should be because we want to listen to space out radio. But even for myself, like I am always listening to something or doing something while I'm doing something else. And so the idea of kind of clearing your mind of that noise, which is really at the core of meditation and shared dreaming can be achieved through meditation that's a very difficult um, state of consciousness to achieve on one's own, let alone in a group setting. And then like you had that experience with the sensory deprivation and you were guys were in the exact same room in the exact same environment and we're having different experiences. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, to me, that's kind of the final frontier 
you know, if I can get into like bust into some group dreaming, uh, I'll be, you know, I'll be, uh, I'll be ready to shuffle off the mortal coil at that point. <laughs> right. I'm good. <laughs> right. But what about people who have these nightmares as we got about 90 seconds to go, these nightmares that continue for days upon end and it just seems like Mm -hmm. they leave off in a dream state and when they go to bed that next night they continue on with that dream that just trips me out i've had that happen yeah i have too and it's it really affects your day-to-day operations especially when it comes back and it's like a story that's not fully played out um but I think we, we, we know that Frankenstein came from a dream, from a nightmare, actually. She had a nightmare of, uh, uh, you know, a doctor drunk with power who was um, playing God and resurrecting a corpse. And that turned into Mary Shelley's, um, you know, famous novel. So that came from a, um, a flash of a dream. So, yeah, the best horror movies probably all are born in, in our nightmares. It just trips me out. You know, uh, like I said, I mean, when you have that same dream for days upon days upon days, like some What was yours? Once again, I can't remember it now. I know that I was being, it wasn't anything alien, Mm -hmm. but it was like bad people. Like I couldn't get away from these bad people, like Mm -hmm. whether they Mm -hmm. were mobsters or government agents or whatever, couldn't get away from them. And doesn't it make you wonder if that's the reality and you're getting a snippet of the real reality? Right. Kind of freaky. That's something we're going to have to uh, <laughs> check out when we come back here. Varla Ventura is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. We are talking dreams, darkness, strange things that happen at night. VarlaVentura.net is her website. We'll be right back with hour number two right after this. I'm going to go fill up my water. I'll be uh, right okay, back. Okay, I'm going to find this um okay. this little prophetic dream uh, section. Do you want to do book. you want to go back in the green room or do you want to sit where you are where everybody can see you? I don't care. I'm fine. I'm All right. here. I promise not to make faces. Okay, I'll leave if you want to uh, cuz they might ask you some questions, so Okay, I can look in the chat. Uh-huh.
I am back. Oh, hey, Clam. How you doing? I have not found this. Well, why haven't you found it little yet? Tidbit. It's your own book. How do I you... know, but I got How a little bit <laughs> sidetracked. Oh, I got sidetracked. Well, the thing is, is I thought I had a whole section on prophetic dreams, but I don't. So now I'm trying to figure out if it's in... You know, I thought it was in with this historical section. And it's not there. And then I got sidetracked by some creepy clowns. And I haven't, I haven't read this book for a while. <laughs> do you read your own books? This, I do. Well, I mean, you, you definitely read. You have to go through a, your manuscript before right. you turn it in and go through an editing process. So that um, I don't always read them like right when they come out. I usually look at like the table of contents, sometimes introduction and yeah. then. Um, uh, but this book, let's see, this one is, it's pretty damn 2010. Good. 2010. I wrote this one in 2010 and this one in 2008. Okay. I'll get you to, so, hold, I'll get you to hold well, on right there. We have for, five, we have yeah, five, five seconds. Not knowing where this, hold on, Varla. Is. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hi to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, at KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Gaposis. Gaposis is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night 
right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on with Varla Ventura tonight in our cryptid world. Varla comes in once a month to talk about the monsters among us. We're talking about dreams tonight and the strangeness that dreams create for ourselves. And she does have a passage in one of her ancient books that she wrote like 38 (laughs) years ago. Varla, welcome back. Uh, thank you. I found it. I was just about to give up and then I looked down and I, I found it in a completely different section than I thought it was, but it was, um, the wife of Ulysses S. Grant. So I'll just read it to you real quick. The wife of Ulysses S. Grant woke on April 14th, 1865 with the intense sense that she and her husband should get out of Washington as soon as possible. They left that day, even though it meant standing at president Abraham Lincoln's invitation to the theater. That's why Grant was not killed by John Wilkes Booth that that evening when the actor assassinated the president. Booth's papers later revealed that Grant was on his hit list. Uh, Yeah. Oh, there's a whole bunch of this is the dream section. Okay, I found it. So (laughs) I just couldn't remember. It was Ulysses S. Grant. No. Brain. Brain part. Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. Before we get to some audience questions, right before the break, we were talking about how you can have or some people have experienced dreams that, you know, they go on for days. And, you know, even though you wake up in the morning, you go to work, you you have dinner and you go to bed that night, you kind of go right back into that same dream that that uh, you were in the night before and you may not like it, but I mean, do you think this is the spirit world that is trying to tell you something or to show you what you're missing or something you have to go through maybe in a different dimension or a different timeline? Yes, I do. Because I mean, like, of course, a psychologist or like a Freudian, whatever would say, Oh, well, you're just experiencing you know, it represents something in your life, which is totally, I mean, dreams can give us a lot of guidance in our like, you know, daily life. Um, But in a situation like that, where you are returning to that same kind of, um, you know, if you think of dreams as sort of an altered state of consciousness, right? Like Start your future at Eastern Shipbuilding Group and begin a new career that offers long-term financial stability, increased wages, bonuses, with full benefits. Eastern Shipbuilding, located on the world's most beautiful beaches in Panama City, Florida, has been committed to producing the highest quality vessels for our customers for over 40 years. Now, hiring first-class ship fitters, welders, electricians, pipe fitters, and many more. Offering a relocation bonus and the potential to exceed $80,000 or more for most of our top craft positions with incentive bonuses and overtime. Apply at Eastern Shipbuilding. Building.com. Start your future at Eastern Shipbuilding Group and begin a new career that offers long-term financial stability, increased wages, bonuses, with full benefits. Eastern Shipbuilding, located on the world's most beautiful beaches in Panama City, Florida, has been committed to producing the highest quality vessels for our customers for over 40 years. Now, hiring first-class ship fitters, welders, electricians, pipe fitters, and many more. Offering a relocation bonus and the potential to exceed $80,000 or more for most of our top craft positions with incentive bonuses and overtime. Apply at Eastern Shipbuilding building.com if you're returning to that same place there is there is definitely a message that is coming through and i do think of of dreams as a a way for you know 
ordinary muggle types to be able to access that world that we really all have um, the ability to to see and and to you know connect with. We just aren't always willing to do it, right? So, yeah, I mean, I think when you're returning to something like that on that level of intensity, whether it's recurring. I mean, recurring dreams are a pretty common phenomenon, but recurring to the point where for multiple days in a row, you are or multiple nights or whatever, you're having that same dream. I mean, that's, that's, if you, if you can remember any part of it, even snippets of it, it's certainly worth um, writing down anything that even may seem trivial you know, the color of your shoes or whatever little things pop up in there because there's probably some kind of similar thread occurring throughout that. It's not always fun to do things like that, though. It's great to look at dreams and go, oh, I got this cool story idea. It's very difficult to look at dreams and and, and say, oh, that's because I'm, you know, reliving this car accident that I was in or, or whatever it may be. Um, but beyond that kind of psychological element, I do really think that, you know, those powerful dreams are a way of um, the other side, the other world connecting with, um, you know, connecting with us at a time when we can't really put our, you know, our guard is down. Um, so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> some people say that you have to be very careful because things can latch on to you. I was once told that, something latched onto me in the astral plane. That was actually really scary. So, uh, somebody said that to me and I, I was a psychic and she said, it looks like you went to the astral plane without meaning to and something latched onto you. And I immediately just thought of like this like strange sort of like growth or something. It was just a very bizarre thing to say. It was a number of years ago and I think I've, I've since been rid of it. But if anybody can see something over my uh, shoulder here, you know, let me know. <laughs> um but I do think that there's, it's difficult to access that world on a, on a, on a, you know, instantaneous or regular basis. And there's such, so few snippets of it that we see in our daily life. And we often have to have just the perfect circumstance to be able to do that. For some of us, it's ritual. For some of us, it's like being able to, you know, like, like you, Dave, just, just being able to like be in a place like in the woods and be walking and not necessarily be looking for anything, but seeing something really, um, you know, seeing something really magical and something very otherworldly. And I always think of that as, um, you know, it's, it's really a gift, even though it can be very terrifying. Um, you know, even the like really scary things are, are a gift because it means that you have the ability to see them and, and they're revealing themselves to you. Even, you know, I mean, I'm sure they're it's like spiders are just as scared of us as we are of them. Although I'm not scared of spiders, but you know what I mean? No, I, I, I understand <laughs> with what you're saying, you know, but I, I'm just wondering if, if some of these dreams that we're actually seeing in some sort of different timeline or different dimension that we don't normally get a look into. Yeah. Yes. Or are we, or even time travel, you know, uh, access to a different aspect of our history and our consciousness from a time when, you know, we technically weren't born yet. 
um, it is a way to go into other dimensions and other like versions of reality. And so instead of thinking of everything as like a beginning, middle and end, because we were kind of trained to think like that, you know, January 1st to December 31st is our calendar. And, um, you know, you're born, you live, you die. Like we, we have this linear kind of extreme view of uh, what life is like, what real life is. Um, and then there's actually all this other stuff happening all around us. And, and, and many of us have of course come to recognize that not that we've completely made sense of it. Um, you know, there's times when I have complete clarity on what that other world is. And then there's times when I, I have no idea what's going on or what I've seen or what I've heard. So um, yeah, absolutely. Access to those kind of um, alternate dimensions that are happening at the same time, you know, that are invisible to the naked eye. I can can totally see that. All right. Let us continue on. Let's get to some audience questions here. Let's start off with Donna. Do you think lion men are real? And entities mind speak? I don't really know what lion men are. Um, I mean, I can kind of infer, but I don't know what those are in terms of like a phenomenon. Um, And if, do you mean like entities mind speaking as in being able to talk to us through our minds? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. And I think that actually when you, when you think about, for let's just take um, ghost sightings, for example, or um, you know spirit sightings. Some people see things, some people hear things, some people sense things or smell things. There are different ways that you can have clairvoyant experiences, but many people have a lot of have experienced elements of all of that. And, um, sometimes that what you're hearing is, is, does sound like it's in your head. Um, you can get very clear messages. And I do think that, um, entities can speak to us through our own minds. Like it's not the same thing as it coming out of my mouth and going into your ear. That sounded a little, definitely a little racy. I I know Donna's story. (laughs) I know her story a little bit. She actually had these what looked like lion men uh, uh, actually manifest inside her house. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, if you have that experience, then they are real. I mean, that's, to me, that's, that's the, that's the evidence. Let's have a follow up from Donna here. What about a ghost saying they have plans for you, a ghost you've never met before and wizards? I love the, I love, I love you, Donna. Um, I actually think that the majority of ghost sightings and experiences are not people that we know. I do know that there are a lot of accounts of, you know, people seeing their grandparents or someone that they know, like the night that they've passed. And I also know that many of us recognize someone that we know that's passed on by their smell or by, um, you know, the, 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 their, the shadow they cast. 
However, I, I really believe that the majority of um, ghost encounters over time and, you know, throughout today are people who have the ability to see and pick up on those ghosts and aren't necessarily something that, you know, in fact, if I was a ghost, I don't know if I would go to somebody that, that I know, I think I might look for somebody that I can tell is sensitive and would actually be able to see me. Um, so I don't know if that was a threat uh, Donna, if when you're saying a uh, ghost saying they have plans for you, if that, if that was a, a, a threatening thing, if you felt frightened by that, or if it was kind of like a, Hey, I got plans for you, psychic lady, we're gonna, we're gonna keep talking. Um, so I think that, you know, I, I guess how you felt about that is probably the best context for it. Um, and then wizards, I mean, so in in my mind, wizards and witches are the humans that have the ability to work with other entities and the supernatural world. And they are, um, they, it can, anyone can, can actually achieve those abilities with dedication and um, ritual and knowledge. So, um, and a lot of people just say wizards are, are, male witches but i don't really subscribe to that i think it's just you know it's an identity thing i think you can be a wizard you can be a witch you can be a male witch you can be a non-binary wizard you can really kind of um however you want to identify as a magical practitioner um you know if it works for you it works for me but i think they're real because i think they're actually us well look at that like i don't think yeah so there we go <laughs> What is this wizardry? Yeah, uh, Donna said her lion men were were never threatening and very peaceful and serene. That's great. That's great. I think Donna has some serious gifts. Yes, yeah, she does. Yes, yeah, she yeah. does. Let yeah. us move on to another question here. Let's go to Blue Cruise. Any carnivorous surprise dinner guests, little people, encounters, <laughs> sightings, stories, legends? Okay. Great question. Absolutely. Um, you know, those, uh, those otter like creatures are definitely, um, un are carnivorous. Uh, a lot of the sort of werewolves, were dolphins, um, uh, half, uh, Start your future at Eastern Shipbuilding Group and begin a new career that offers long-term financial stability, increased wages, bonuses, with full benefits. Eastern Shipbuilding, located on the world's most beautiful beaches in Panama City, Florida, has been committed to producing the highest quality vessels for our customers for over 40 years. Now, hiring first-class ship fitters, welders, electricians, pipe fitters, and many more. Offering a relocation bonus and the potential to exceed $80,000 or more for most of our top craft positions with incentive bonuses and overtime. Apply at Eastern Shipbuilding building.com. Start your future at Eastern Shipbuilding Group and begin a new career that offers long-term financial stability, increased wages, bonuses, with full benefits. Eastern Shipbuilding, located on the world's most beautiful beaches in Panama City, Florida, has been committed to producing the highest quality vessels for our customers for over 40 years. Now, hiring first-class ship fitters, welders, electricians, pipe fitters, and many more. Offering a relocation bonus and the potential to exceed $80,000 or more for most of our top craft positions with incentive bonuses and overtime. Apply at Eastern Shipbuilding building.com uh half wolf half man type creatures are certainly um yeah surprise dinner guests um 
actually there's quite a few fairy legends about sort of, you know, being out too late or um, having your door open too late, especially if you live uh, in the countryside, you know, making sure that you have like an iron latch on your door because that's actually um, a deterrent for fairies and for the little people um, who might otherwise come in and, and make themselves welcome. The worst of those, um, and I, I don't, I don't believe they're carnivorous, but the changelings um, are very, um, very unwelcome. And they are the ones that come in and take a newborn baby and leave a fairy baby in its place. And so um, when a child is being born, there are all these things that you need to do to ensure that, um, you know, there's no way for the fairies to come in. Um, but as far as like carnivorous, those tend to be sort of more of those shapeshifters. You know, part part beast, part human, insatiable appetite. <laughs> I can see that. I can totally see yeah. that. <laughs> Sovereign wants to know, any ideas on how dream hacking might work? Is it technological or just another term for trespassing into another's dream space via remote viewing? I do think that people can do it without any kind of enhancements if they really are um, unethical and set their mind to it. Um, Lord knows there's there's uh, thousands of psychic vampires swirling around out there. And so dream hacking would not be, um, you know, that, that would be an unethical but very doable practice for somebody with very strong um, psychic skills. I do believe that in terms of, you know, I, I know somebody who um, feels that she has regularly been remote viewed by the, by the government. And I think there are probably advanced te technological advancements that allow, uh, allow certain people to enhance that ability. Um, but I don't, I don't really know if it's just a piece of technology. I think it's something that, um, allows uh, whatever it is that inhibits us from doing that in our, you know, regular practice as, as people, there's, there's something that can um, alter that and um, change that enough to allow someone to be very successful at um, remote viewing. But I mean, that's, there's an entire, um, Dion Fortune uh, was a writer who um, wrote throughout like the twenties and thirties. And she wrote a lot about developing psychic abilities, but one of her best known books is actually Psychic Self-Defense. And in that, um, she talks about ways to protect yourself from things like, you know, I mean, she doesn't call it dream hacking, but, you know, intrusions from the astral plane or people, um, you know, trying to manipulate you from a distance. It is basically, you know, kind of remote viewing, like hacking into your into your brain and into your into your world to, you know, curse you or control you or get you to do their bidding. Um, so she's got a whole a great list of things you can do to prevent that. And what do you do to prevent it's, it? It's a thing. I, I just, nobody dares. <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to come inside this brain. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't do really anything. If I thought I was being, um, you know, if I thought I was, I, I have a lot of natural boundaries in my um, daily life. So I think if I thought that I something like that was happening, it's never happened to me. If I thought that something 
like that was happening to me, I would probably, um, you know, have some, have some method to employ and it would probably involve whatever I, you know, put on my bedside and what I, you know, put under my pillow. And, you know, I'm sure it would involve a lot of herbs and, um, you know, a ritual bath or something, (laughs) but I've never had that happen. And, uh, I don't know. I've got a a pretty strong, uh, self-defense fortress up there. So. (laughs) Well, that's good. That's good. No trespassers. Is is there a way for us to protect ourselves from our own dreams or nighttime imaginations? Oh, there's absolutely many things that you can do to kind of ensure that you have one more um, controller say in your dreams um, and two, to have more peaceful dreams. Probably the most common is, um, is the use of mugwort which is a plant that's in the Artemisia family and um, it's readily available and that can be used in um, just, I mean, we used to make them all the time when I was a kid, we would make dream pillows and you just make a little, a little, you know, nice piece of cloth and you fill it with this herb and it has a very kind of like sagey smell. It's like a pungent smell, but it's not, you know, it's, it's not unpleasant um, lavender is another, I mean, that's very commonly used in like eye pillows and things like that. It's because it's very relaxing, but mugwort in particular, mugwort, anything in the Artemisia family, basically any plant that is associated with the moon in particular and the nighttime. Um, and those often tend to be, uh, silvery leafed plants because they reflect the beauty of the moon. Those are frequently used as, um, uh, dream herbs. So you can use um, herbs. You can also, you know, drink them in tea. I'm not, not talking about um, anything. Um, I mean, I, uh, there's another plant in the Artemisia family, Artemisia absinthium. It's what's wormwood. That is what's used to make absinthe. So that's a different kind of a dream. Uh, but yeah, so like herbs, um, I do think there's amulets. Um, you know, different cultures have different, you know, different, uh, things that they'll put over the bed, especially over like a child's bed to protect them. Um, things that go under the bed um, and uh, in in the room that you sleep in. So yeah, there's lots of things you can do to um, try and have, you'll never get rid of dreams. So your best bet is to try and have more, more pleasant ones and make peace with the ones that you, you don't understand. Right. All right. Let's go to Deb here. Right. Can our dreams help us access a past life? I think so. I actually think that some of those um, uh, dreams have a lot of those kind of plot lines for us and a lot of clues about uh, past lives. And I've never done a past life regression, but that is a form of, um, you know, psychotherapy that you can go through. And, um, you know, you'll be asked questions about who you think you may have been in a former life. And they'll, you know, the um, facilitator records that all down and then shares it with you later. I think that'd be a very interesting thing to do. I've just never done it. But um, I absolutely think so. And I, I think there's probably quite a few people out there that have had very vivid dreams about an aspect of life or history that doesn't make any sense and it's never like in the movies where it's this grand overview it's um you know a very um uh like day-to-day kind of the minutiae of that of that moment that you have that experience but you fully know that you're in a different time and place so yeah and I think that that's a great 
thing to try and record. I mean, I always have kept a dream journal. I always recommend that have a pen and a piece of paper or, you know, a little journal. And as I said, jot down just a few, a few words before you look at your phone, before you, you know, do any of the things that you start to do. Um, as soon as you wake up, you just, even if it's just a color or a sensation or something that you remember from the dream. Marla Ventura continues. We have her for another half an hour here on Spaced Out Radio. A great night with Varla, as is always on our cryptid world. Her website, varlamatura.net. More about dreams, monsters. Sleep with one eye open, people. Gripping your pillow tight. (laughs) Any chance I get to quote a little Metallica, I will do that. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. For whom the bell tolls, you know. Time time (laughs) marches on. Mm -hmm. So, I kind of want to know, like, what's the scariest dream you've ever had? Ask me that in Vegas. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Because I don't know, for... I, I don't know whether it was a dream or not. That's that's what I was going to ask. Is like sometimes, especially as you know, the older you get, like you, like I still remember snippets of dreams from you know when I was a teenager or even a kid. Because I, like I said, I still remember that that dream with the falling in the ditch and the dog saving me very vividly. I remember that, but I also, you know, it's, it's kind of, was that an experience or was that a dream? And, um, you know, for whatever reason, so many paranormal experiences happen in the, in the dead of night when you're just as you're drifting off to sleep. So, Oh, that's a question too, Dave. I remember when I was a child, like going back to like three, four, five years old, I used to have this dream that I could fly by flapping my arm. Start your future at Eastern Shipbuilding Group and begin a new career that offers long-term financial stability, increased wages, bonuses with full benefits. Eastern Shipbuilding, located on the world's most beautiful beaches in Panama City, Florida, has been committed to producing the highest quality vessels for our customers for over 40 years. Now hiring first-class ship fitters, welders, electricians, pipe fitters, and many more. Offering a relocation bonus and the potential to exceed $80,000 or more for most of our top craft positions with incentive bonuses and overtime. Apply at Eastern Ship building.com. Start your future at Eastern Shipbuilding Group and begin a new career that offers long-term financial stability, increased wages, bonuses, with full benefits. Eastern Shipbuilding, located on the world's most beautiful beaches in Panama City, Florida, has been committed to producing the highest quality vessels for our customers for over 40 years. Now hiring first-class ship fitters, welders, electricians, pipe fitters, and many more. Offering a relocation bonus and the potential to exceed $80,000 or more for most of our top craft positions with incentive bonuses and overtime. Apply at Eastern Ship building.com okay and uh, i remember there was always like this dark shadow figure a humanoid shadow figure that was trying to 
to get me and my friends that I grew up with and and mm. uh, I would have to fl- try and fly away and and sometimes he would grab my leg and I'd be like uh, able to kick away oh. eventually. Uh, I remember I had that dream a number of times, like when I was young, and uh, I, I still remember that one. You know, <clears throat> but I, I, I think um, that is a question that was once posed to me. Um, I think my sister said she said, "You fly in your dreams, right?" I said, "Yeah," and she said, "How do you fly?" And that's when I realized that everybody has a different method. You know. And so her method was totally different than my dream flying method. And I thought that was very interesting. That's a, that's kind of a fun table topic. So do you fly in your dreams? If so, what's your method? You know, do you swim? Do you, do you kick? Do you flap your arm? You know, like that, yeah. I think that's very interesting. And uh, that I was going to say another kind of like just spinoff topic on all of this is just the idea of like, um, you know, why is it that so, so many times as we're drifting off to sleep, like I know for me, uh, many, many of my encounters um, have been in the dead of the night, have woken me up, Yeah, you know, something whacking me on the head or, and, and I think that's, you know, that's fairly common. And it makes me think that because dreams are like a gateway to the other world, that it's basically like a neon sign for ghosts to just be like oh this person's like you know this person's alert enough that they're gonna they're gonna know that i'm here and i'm gonna whack them in the head and and see if they notice probably one of the scariest dreams i ever had was i went to this do you remember the movie oh goodness uh sin city where it was all black and white and cartoonish and everything. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. T- yes. Take mm-hmm. that kind of dreary atmosphere. And I was I, I was with a girl, and we were walking together down the street, and it, everything was kind of like black and white and rainy and gloomy. And I, and I see this guy standing underneath this light at a street corner across, and we're trying to get directions to a hotel or something like that, because we'd come off a bus. And I walk up to the guy. He's dressed in black, black leather jacket, black shirt, black pants. Hair is all wet, soaking wet. And I look at him, and it's me. But it's the evil me. And he, lit- he, he literally tells me, he goes, I would, I would kill you right now if I didn't know that it would affect me. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's that's scary. That was odd. We got ten seconds. Here. That's scary. Yeah, yeah I that's have... scary in a whoa. <clears throat> All right, here we go. In a meta way. Here we go. All right, I'm I'm almost ready. Okay. past the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. want to remind you that if you missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. 
do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Tim in our chat room saying, my worst nightmare was when I woke up this morning and realized Dave Scott's weather was in my yard. Yes, blame me for the snow now. Blame me for the snow. My goodness, that's hilarious. Varla Ventura is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. We have her until the top of the hour. Brotherventura.net is her website. You can find all of her books at any major bookstore. We're talking about dreams tonight, and we're in audience question time now. Let's go to another one. Let's go to Pam here. She goes, wouldn't a visit from a loved one who passed be more spiritual than a haunting or a ghost in general? There I am. Uh, I don't really think so. I mean, I think you may have... If if it's in a dream, perhaps it's uh, it's more spiritual because I think in dreams we encounter people we don't know all the time, so it's a visitation through a dream. But um, I think it's more perhaps more meaningful to us because that person was significant in our life. But I don't necessarily believe that it's a different category of of a ghost. I mean, I just think ghosts are ghosts. Um, you know, there's ghosts that are more menacing and ghosts that are more trickstery and um, just like there's people, but I don't, I don't necessarily think that the ghost of someone that, you know, is a different, I think it means something to you differently, but, um, and so maybe in that way it's more spiritual, but I don't think it's really like a totally different phenomenon. Okay. Let's move My on. Opinion. Let's move on to a different question. Let's go to redneck. Other than specific items going missing, is there any definitive <laughs> ways to tell if you have beings in your home? Um, well, we mentioned a couple things. You mentioned a couple things earlier. Um, so things going missing and things also being out of place. So they might not go missing, but they're in a place that you're sure you didn't leave them or a place that seems particularly odd, um, you know, something in the, in, uh, on the kitchen counter that really belongs in, um, you know, the laundry room or whatever, like things that, that you don't remember moving. Um, and then there are sometimes physical signs. P- people do wake up with, you know, scratches or um, bite marks. Um, some people call have poltergeist experiences like that. There's actually quite a bit of lore about um, some different goblins that are sort of domesticated goblins that tend to live in the homes of people and will um, punish the slovenly um, and the lazy by pinching them. So you may wake up with like unexplained bruises. Um, a, A great way to know is to leave something out on purpose to see if it's consumed or, or taken. Um, if, in particular, if you feel like maybe what you have is like a little fairy creature or something that um, would appreciate a nice offering. I mean, most things appreciate offerings, even you know, demonic entities love offerings too. Right. <laughs> um, I feel like those are kind of the more definitive ways is the more physical ways. Um, and then, you know, the less definitive ways are the, the feeling that you get, you know, the feeling that you're being watched or that 
um, there's something, uh, you know, something in a particular area in your in your home. That's so funny that she put that because I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Apparently, psychically, we're supposed to get into dreams of ghost sex. Oh, uh, I was, I was. I was the, the paranormal thinking about ghost the, sex. Yeah. Yeah. The paranormal the perverted things. have arrived. I like it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's the last, it's the last 20 minutes or so of me. So, um, I mean, we, we have sort of briefly discussed ghost sex in the past on this show and just kind of the idea of basically having, um, intercourse with entities. Right. Um, and I talked about this amazing, woman um, named Ida Craddock, who was um, persecuted for the distribution of lewd materials during the late 1800s, because she wrote all these pamphlets, kind of enlightening um, women and, and men, but especially young women of what to expect on the wedding night. And she would provide these very detailed, um, very uh, anatomically graphic and correct descriptions of what was going to happen because we're talking about a time when, you know, women weren't really even allowed to show an ankle, let alone talk about sex with their, um, you know, older sisters or, or mother or doctor or anyone. So, but the greatest part about her is that she claimed that all of her knowledge um, that came from her marriage to an angelic being. And that this angelic being, and actually there are quotes in her, um, in her works about having raucous sex with this angelic being um, that the neighbors would complain about. This is, again, this is like in 1899, I think she wrote that. Um, so pretty fantastic um, and brings to mind the idea. I mean, she had this like very detailed and very graphic knowledge of um of intimacy and intercourse and yet she claimed that it was all through um taught to her through this angelic being and one of her most fascinating um one of her most fascinating reads is actually basically an essay all about ghost sex it's basically citing um sources including extensively citing the bible um and instances of of you know, mere mortals having sex with, um, uh, having, uh, she doesn't say sex so much. She just says having, you know, relationships and marriages and, um, uh, encounters with off planet beings, right. Whether they're ghosts or, um, angelic or, um, you know, (laughs) invisible to the naked eye, just to make a bad joke. Um, so yeah, that's that's a thing, definitely ghost sex. And then, you know, I think that people have experiences like that all the time. We have sex dreams, we have we have ghosts. It's inevitable that those two things are gonna intersect at, at some point. Right. <laughs> Look, the bad jokes could just keep just pouring out here. Apparently you started this a long time ago and the audience just reminds you. That's all I'll say. They just... That's that's fine. I I've yes, I I did have a, a, a ghost sex experience when I was a, a young woman. I I probably was on drugs. I, I'm I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> like I, I'm sure I was. Um, if I was under the age of 25, I was very likely on drugs at the time. But you know that that that's not to dismiss it. It may actually validate it. 
Well, there you go. There you go. Yeah. So, while we're here, let's get to more. Go sex in contact via the Ouija board. Just to, yeah, ask me about that in Vegas. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. Oh, my gosh. I have uh, thousands of people now are going to be like, no, we're not waiting for Vegas for that one, Dave. Ask the question. Hey, if you want to get your numbers up for Vegas, here we go. (laughs) All right. You said it. Ouija board and ghost sex. Varla, what the hell were you on? Uh, Honestly, any number of things. I mean, my guess would be LSD at the time, but I I can't be sure. It was so long ago. I I was really, I was a teenager. It was a very long time ago. I do not condone the use of underage Go sex. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, yep. Go to the uncomfortability. Let's get to Sovereign's Look at this. I, I got to say, I got to say this. YJ Overlander has had some great, great snappy comments here. I think they said something about um, a good ghost sex joke. And then there was another joke earlier about. Um, oh, you never um, saw him coming. Dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Off the rails. Okay. Let's go to Sovereign. Off the rails. Is Varla familiar with a story about a large bird like a condor or pterodactyl trying to kill whales and the symbolic meaning behind that? Well, I'm not familiar with the condor and whales, but I am familiar with a story about a giant condor, an Andean condor, um, basically going to battle with a um uh, a large bull and um i was in peru many years ago and uh i actually was in this restaurant and this guy came in and he had this uh he was showing the the restaurant here uh a photo album and i happened to be sitting there and you know obviously a tourist and he said do you want to see these and so he, we sat down and he showed me in this photo album and it was a ritual um, in the you know town where he was from, where they it's gonna be like you know it's pretty graphic, but basically they reenact this um, ancient battle between a bird and a um, uh, I think it was a I think it was a, a large bull like a, a kind of cattle, and they actually um, sew the feet of the of the um, condor into the skin of the bull and then um see who who wins I, I know it's kind of graphic and you know not um not really particularly pleasant to think about but that was actually it always stuck with me one because he was sharing something that you know probably would be uh, unsafe to share other you know in in the u.s but also um he was telling me the story behind it which was basically just like you know the battle of these two sacred gods. Um, so that was from like a small town in the, the Cusco area in Peru. I don't know really too much about the, the condor and the, and the whale, but that's, that's all I know. All right. Let's get, to, gross. Let's get to another one. Varla from Penny. <laughs> to go sex. Varla. <laughs> Penny is asking Varla. Mm. What about me having the same few dreams over 50 years? I have all sorts of dreams, but there are a few that have been with me most of my life. 
Varla. Yeah, I have that too, Penny. Um, I have I have dreams and places that I I return to, and um, similar kind of plot lines and dreams. They're not necessarily one after another, but those those recurring dreams. And I really think that those are um, uh, really important places if they're if they're a representation of the other world or who we would be in the other world if we were able to transition to that world or what we were like when we were, because, you know, many, many people believe, and this kind of goes down to the idea of like elementals um, that, you know, all, all <laughs> lots of cultures believe that we are essentially of the elements and that we were formed to become this more human like entity. And so the idea that we actually can you know, go back to that elemental form and, and pass through into the other world um, unharmed and then return again is a common thread throughout, um, you know, time and history and cultures. So my point being, I think when you have something like that, that is sort of like a recurring place or recurring dream, that it's an indication of, you know, of, of really like who you are in, in that other world. Um, for example, I'm, you know, I'm a, a creaky old house on the prairie, apparently a haunted house on the prairie, because I tend to go back to this one, one place. But I think that um, the, the dream elements are very similar. And um, I think that's a form of recurring dreams. I think sometimes we think recurring dreams are the exact same dream that we have over and over again over a sequence. But, um, you know, I think that's a really precious thing to have penny and i think that you know i'd be curious just to know i mean it's, it's insight into the person like what what are those what are those dreams for you what what are those places that you that you've returned to you know one of the things that a lot of people have have stated over the years is loved ones who will not uh leave them alone from the afterlife after my grandfather died my uncle and i had the same dream for a couple of months of just it, it, just my grandfather's face starting way off in a distance and then moving straight like to within inches of our face and i had that my my grandfather uh pardon me my uncle had that and it just seemed very very weird uh, that we would have the same dream over a couple of months right after he passed in 1995. And a lot of people over the years that I've talked to have also said that they have been, lack of a better term, haunted by relatives, whether it's a grandmother or a brother, sister, mom, dad, on the other side. Have you ever dealt with that? Oh, Absolutely. Um, in fact, that's kind of the origin of banshees themselves, which are these creatures that are sort of part part fairy and, and part ghost um, that they're inherited. And um, I've often, I, I don't know if you inherit the ability to see them or if you inherit um, the banshee itself, but they're passed down through generations. There are um, ghosts that are ancestors that are seen again and again in an ancestral castle, um, you know, the stories all, all around the world like that. Um, so I absolutely have, have seen that. And, and I have experienced that within my own family. Um, I do think that in particular, after someone passes. So I don't know, but I often wonder, 
when somebody is trying to get in contact from the other world or like, you know, a ghost is trying to get in contact from the other world to, to um, us here in the, you know, tangible world, do they just put out like a blast and see who, who picks up or are they targeting specific people? That, that's a question I've often pondered over the years, especially in studying, um, you know, the various tools that we use to connect with the dead, such as Ouija boards and spirit boards and, um, you know, different psychic rituals and, and um, trance that we use to, um, you know, perform ways of uh, necromancy and such. So is it is it that certain people are more attuned to that? Yes. But what about from the other point of view? And so, you know, maybe there was a blast out to everyone in your family, but it was just you and your uncle who really picked it up because not everyone is, not everyone has that part of their mind open. Um, but I think especially after someone's passed and especially in dreams, it's, um, it's fairly, um, I wouldn't say common, but I think it's a regular enough occurrence that, um, you know, groups of family members will say, oh, I had a dream about them, too. I had a dream about them, too. I mean, they're, they're obviously, you know, the obvious reason is they're on everyone's mind. But also, I think that that's the time shortly after death when um, contact can be at its greatest because, um, you know, maybe there's 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 still something to say or unfinished business. I mean, there's so many different. Start your future at Eastern Shipbuilding Group and begin a new career that offers long-term financial stability, increased wages, bonuses with full benefits. Eastern Shipbuilding, located on the world's most beautiful beaches in Panama City, Florida, has been committed to producing the highest quality vessels for our customers for over 40 years. Now hiring first-class ship fitters, welders, electricians, pipe fitters, and many more. Offering a relocation bonus and the potential to exceed $80,000 or more for most of our top craft positions with incentive bonuses and overtime apply at easternshipbuilding.com theories on on how people actually transition and whether or not you let them go um but yeah i think that's and and also not just within families but it can be very close um knit groups of friends you know if you've lost a childhood friend and you know other people oh yeah you might get a call oh i i dreamed about ray last night oh yeah me too so yeah, I think it's actually a really beautiful thing. It can be very heartbreaking, but it's a it's a beautiful thing to be able to share that. Let's go to Deb. How high up do you fly in your dreams? One hundred feet or more? I, this, it would be great to just have like a list of like flying related dream questions. Me personally, all the way to the moon. I, I go I go up quite high. Oh, way higher than me. What about you, Dave? I, yeah. I, I like to you? I like to be like the fighter pilot where I just skim the tops of the trees. Oh, nice. Well that's pretty high up though. You know, I mean, you know. Go through the waterfalls. You know, kind of glide like an eagle. Yeah. Yeah. Know? You know, listening to like Pink Floyd while gliding like <laughs> an eagle. Us, us, us. And mm. them, them. <laughs> Mine was more learning to fly, tongue-tied and twisted, just an earthbound oh. spirit. I see. I see. Uh, yeah. So that's a good question, though, because some people might. Uh, and, and Dave, were we? Did we say this off the off the air? But like, just the 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 way that the way that you fly is also 
interesting to ask people, oh, do you fly in a dream or what's your method? Because I feel like everybody has a slightly different method. It's like we all swim a little bit differently. I feel that there's, um, and it feels very real when you're doing it. So you kind of wake up and you're like, I know how to fly. I just have to, you know, Peter Pan my way out of this, this, this house or whatever. <laughs> right. That's a fairy story. That's steeped in fairy lore. Right. Uh, you know what? We are done about uh, three and a half minutes before we need to go to break here at the top of the hour and say goodnight to Varla. You know, Varla, what, do you believe that we could control our dreams? Do you believe that we have access to that area in our head that says, you know what, enough is enough. I'm I'm done with this. I do believe that we can develop the ability to control our dreams. I do not believe um, that you can do it all the time. And I don't believe anybody who says they can. I think you can practice and you can, you can, there are like exercises that you can do to train your brain so that when you, so that you can learn to lucid dream, totally possible. Um, but I don't believe anyone who says that every time they dream, they lucid dream. Um, because I think that that is probably not healthy. Uh, because the other thing that dreams do is they just allow us to not be us, right? They just allow us to just see how things go. It's nice to not always know what's going to happen. That's kind of the best part about dreams sometimes, right? It's like not knowing for sure what's around the bend. Lucid dreaming isn't always about controlling what happens in the dream. It's kind of more about controlling your reactions in the dream. And that can work really well if you have nightmares and things become frightening and you want to kind of turn that around. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a skill like any other, um, you know, psychic development or anything like that. It can be, it can be in tune or your mom can basically program you to be able to do it when you're three years old. <laughs> that's the other, that's the other option. Whatever works, works. Correct. Yeah. Right. <laughs> beauty, beauty. Yeah. 90 seconds, Varla. Where can everybody find your books and more information about the great Varla Ventura? You can visit my website, varlaventura.net. Um, yeah. Where you can find information about my books and um, various swag and things like that. And uh, my books are available anywhere books are sold. They're all they're all still in print. Um, coming coming up on all, not quite twenty years, but but close to it. And uh, hopefully, I'll have a new book or two coming out in the next couple of years, and we can we can uh, we can meet up at a bookstore too. Be great, of course. And we will also our listeners would be able to see you in Las Vegas at our fan party May nineteenth through twenty first at the Golden Nugget in Las Vegas, which uh, you are going to be yeah. a part of this year, which is going to be amazing. I can't wait to finally meet you in person. I can't believe we haven't met in real life. It feels like we have. I know. I know it happens. But here we are, just a couple of months away. from. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm off to Ireland, so I'll gather some some new freaky information. And so the next time I see you, I'll be back from that trip with um, – Hopefully, some crazy, crazy stories to regale you with. Excellent. Excellent. Varla Ventura, we love you around here, and we'll talk to you next month 
on our cryptid world. Coming up next. Thank you. Super Duke will be joining us from World Bigfoot Radio. But before Duke, we're going to head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller takes us on another spooky journey. Spaced Out Radio has a power-packed hour three right after this. Thank you, Varla. Thanks, Dave. I can't believe that we've um, that we've never talked about dreams before. We I really know. haven't, though. I know. Great, great subject. Yeah, I'm that guy pulling it Thanks off for that. top of my head like that. Top of my head. I love that. We have the be- better conversations like that, I think. That's and anyway, I- it doesn't matter if we think we have a topic because we just do whatever we want anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. I'm going to let you go here. You go get some okay, rest. Great. You. Uh, All right. We will see you Thank soon. You. Okay. I can't wait to meet you. Dude. Yep. Cannot wait to meet you. I can't believe it. I know. I know. It's going to be so great. Same. Yes. Same. And thank you. And I can't wait to meet your. Come your in fans, Thursday. Your audience. Come in Thursday. Okay. Okay. All I right. will. I'll. I'll organize all of that. Yeah. Yeah. All, all right, buddy. Sounds good. You take care. Okay. Bye. 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 Ventura, everybody. I'll be right back.
Hello, everybody. We've got just over one minute to go here. <coughs> All right. I talked to Kat on our team this morning. She is going to be uh, working the next few days on getting emails out for everybody. For Vegas, May 19th through 21st. We want to see as many people out there as possible who are our fans. So come join us for a great weekend in Las Vegas for the second annual fan party. We'd love to have you all there. And if you want VIP tickets or tickets in general, just go to info at spacedoutradio.com. We'd love to have you there. I will be in San Francisco next month, just a few weeks away, going to UFOCon 2023. Be my fourth time there. I will be the MC of the event. And you can join us at UFOCon2023.com. Get your tickets there. So come join me there if you want to come say hello. We'd love to see you there. And here we go, everyone. Hour number three. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Here we are with the third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hi to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, at KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Kaposis. Kaposis is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news wire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again for us to head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller takes us on another spooky journey. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. When I was around 15 years old, I lived in this house near the woods. And we had this long stretch of dirt road not too far away that used to be a railroad many years back. A friend and I were driving a quad bike on this dirt road because no cars drive there, so you could do whatever you wanted. You know, play around with all the fun stuff. One day on this dirt road, as we were playing with this quad bike, we saw someone walking down the street. We slowed down and drove forward. As we got closer, it looked to be a person walking several dogs. To clarify, we were still pretty far away. 
Once we got a bit closer, it looked more like a moose, so at this point we stopped the quad bike and decided just to watch it from afar. It slowly kept walking towards us. It started to look more like a person again, but without any dogs. So we decided to start up the quad bike again and we drove towards this person. Suddenly, it looked like this person was absolutely drunk off their balls because it started going side to side on the road like it couldn't keep its balance. So we drove a little faster to check on what was going on. When we were pretty close, the person fell off the road. At this point, we moved fast to ensure everything was fine, but we couldn't see anyone. We had gone pretty far down the road, so we were at an open field. If someone had fallen off the road, we would have seen them by now, but there was nothing, just an empty, vast area around us. We get pretty freaked out, and after a couple of minutes, we hear this gunshot and some sort of moaning from an animal or some person, maybe. I can't explain it, but it was a weird sound. The gunshot isn't that weird because of where we live. It's pretty standard for people to go out and hunt animals or whatever. We didn't think much of it and just drove back home. The next day, we decided to get on the quad bike again and go see if we could see this figure. At some point, we drove past where we originally saw it, and I could swear, deep, 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 down into the woods, I could see a figure standing there. Again, as we got closer, it began to turn into what looked like a human, then some sort of moose or something, and then back to a human. I'm not sure what we were witnessing. But after another minute or so goes by, we once again, just like last time, hear a similar gunshot go off, and then we hear what sounds like a moaning or a groaning sound. I'm not sure if this is some sort of haunting that is just residual, or if we are actually hearing something uh, criminal. And that's why we love the Swamp Dweller around here, taking us on spooky journeys each and every Monday through Friday night to kick off hour number three of Spaced Out Radio. You can hear more of these stories by going to his YouTube channel for free. Just hit subscribe, youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads. We head from the swamp to the forest of Montana, where our good friend Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio joins us for the Cryptid Report. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio. Always good to have you here, my man. How you doing? Always fun to be here. And now I'm freezing my butt off. I'm sick of the subarctic cold. Oh. Quit it already. That's enough. Oh, dude, I know. I could not get warm. I could not get warm to the, the all day today. It was uh, just one of those days where the cold was going right through the jackets and the sweaters and everything. Yep, same thing here, brutal. Plus, we have really high wind, so ridiculous wind chills. Super sucks going outside right now. <laughs> I hear you there. I hear you there. The abbreviated cryptid report, we got you till the bottom of the hour. What do you got for us tonight, my friend? Well, today I got to give a shout-out to, and maybe he's still in the chat room. He was in there earlier. Pegleg Kenny, Captain Pegleg from Group Investigating Mystery Primates, or GIMP for short. And you can find this fine group on Facebook or on MeWe, the no-censorship social media platform. And he posted several interesting sightings. And so shout out to Kenny, and let's check out what he managed to find this week. The first off, a woman and her ex-husband were camping on the outskirts of 
Klamath National Forest in California in the early hours of the morning in May 1989. The woman woke up from a dream in which she felt like she was being watched and saw a large, dark, hairy figure moving quickly away from the window of the truck they were sleeping in and up the hill into the forest. The figure was estimated by her to be around seven feet tall and moved at the gait of a human. The woman was extremely frightened and reported a strong, musky smell. The woman also described the creature as having a vaguely humanoid face with large protruding brows, dark intense eyes, a nose that was a mixture of gorilla and human, and a severe and turned down mouth with fleshy lips, and a conical head with pronounced sagittal crest. The jaw was not prognathic, and there was no facial hair around the eyes, nose, or mouth. The woman was a student of anthropology at Portland State University, thus explaining the good description, and was any, unable to identify the creature from her past studies. The woman would like to remain anonymous due to fear of ridicule from her colleagues. Hmm. Uh, yeah, great colleagues. Same ones Dr. Bendernagel had. So here's the next report. In September of an unspecified year, maybe 1998, a 10-year-old boy named Brendan had a sighting of a Bigfoot when he was living in Ording, Washington. He was six years old at the time and was climbing a hill beside a small creek that ran parallel to the Pulliop River. He heard a noise and looked up to see the creature standing in the woods. He felt stunned, but also scared. So he ran down the hill, jumped across the creek, and looked back at the creature again. The creature was looking at him, but then it turned and walked up the hill and disappeared into the woods. He didn't tell anyone about the sighting at the time, but later shared it with his grandmother, who interviewed him in May 2004, and he described the creature as big and muscular, about as big as the house they were in, which has eight-foot ceilings. He estimates the creature's arms were longer than a human's coming down to its knees. The area around the sighting was a wooded area with a lot of deciduous trees, some fur, and plenty of brush. And that's one thing that comes up a lot is that they really seem to like to hang around in areas with uh, evergreens in because it provides year-round cover for them. Next report we have from Florida. June 15, 2004, Marion County, Florida, a man who worked in the Ocala National Forest as a road grader was on State Highway 19 near Salt Springs. It was a scorching hot day with temperatures reaching 95 degrees. It's not scorching hot for down there. I live there. The man thought he knew all the wildlife in the forest, but that changed when he encountered a creature he had never expected to see. As he was grading the road, he looked up and saw a dark brownish-black animal approximately 200 yards away. The creature was standing on the side of the road and was about six and a half feet tall. It turned its head and looked directly at the man, who then stopped his grader. The creature continued to stare at the man for another one to one and a half minutes before turning its head forward and crossing the road in three steps before disappearing into the woods. The man arrived at the location of the crossing three minutes later and saw two footprints, each approximately 12 inches long. He also noticed broken tree branches along the path the creature took. He left food and water at the location and resumed grading the road, and when he returned, the food and water were still untouched. Hmm. Must not have been very hungry. The man described the creature as having dark brownish-black hair all over its body and a head that appeared to be set forward on its shoulders with no visible neck. 
Its arms were long, swinging as it strode across the road, and its body was heavy and twice as husky as the man himself. The man never told anyone about the sighting for fear of jeopardizing his job. However, after being interviewed by a BFRO investigator, the man was willing to take a lie detector test to prove the authenticity of the experience. He was found to be serious and forthcoming with his account and showed no indication that he was not telling the truth. So, you know, in other words, he passed the lie detector test. Well, that's nice. That's nice. Well, again, you know, most of the people that make these reports, they're not going to make money off making these reports. All they're going to do is just get ridiculed. So why do you automatically think they're lying right off the bat? Is it the same thing with UFO uh, reports, Dave? Somewhat. Somewhat, yes. Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, all you know, all they stand to get is a lot of ridicule and no money, so why would they make it up? Here's another one. A Bigfoot report was made in uh, Sween County, North Carolina, on January 31st, 2020. The witnesses were a couple traveling along Needmore Road off of Highway 74 West, heading towards Bryson City. As they were driving, they spotted a strange figure near the river's edge. The figure stood up and appeared to be watching them as they drove away. The couple was in disbelief as they realized what they had seen was a Bigfoot, standing at least eight to nine feet tall, covered in long black hair all over its body. In a panic, the couple drove away, but soon decided to turn around for a better look. (laughs) When they returned... The Bigfoot was still there, standing on the side of the road and watching them. The couple observed the Bigfoot from a distance of about 100 yards this time before the wife urged her husband to get back in the car, and they drove away. The witnesses returned to the site the day after the incident to look for tracks, but they didn't find anything. The next day, they took photos of the area to show the perspective of the sighting and the limitations of their phone camera. They noted that they were too far away to get clear photos with their phone camera, and that is why they did not take any photos during the observation. Again, the investigation report by the BFRO investigator concluded that the sighting was credible. Both witnesses were credible. The sighting took place early dusk in a remote mountainous area near the Little Tennessee River. And despite the prevalence of cell phones with cameras, it's still very rare for people to capture clear Bigfoot photos. And uh, the skeptics need to keep that in mind. Uh, before they start calling people out, why don't you take a picture? You know, people that do take pictures don't have any better luck with it than the ones that aren't trying to take pictures. I hear you. I hear you. It's always them damn ones who want to take them photos. Give a good fish. Yeah, I mean, that that's the go-to for all of the, the skeptics out there. Oh, you know, everybody's got a cell phone now. How come we don't see pictures of them? And then you take a picture of it, and they go, well, that's just a blob. Dude, I I got it. Your favorite go-to. I got it last night. I I had the northern lights out at my house last night. And so I was grabbing, trying to grab videos, which really bugged me because on my phone, I could see the northern lights and the the pillars that were going up and the pillars were dancing. And I could see it on my phone. (laughs) But the minute I posted it to social media... The video looked black, like there was nothing on there. Go back to my phone. I'm like, well, they're right there. Go post it on Instagram, and it's like this this video of nothing. I'm like, come on already. You know, come on. 
it was a total Sasquatch yeah. moment with the Northern Lights. And then I got, so I post a picture of the pillars, and I got all these people coming up to me. They're like, you posted a picture of pillars. That isn't the Northern Lights, Dave. I'm like, you didn't see the video behind it that I tried to post, right? You know, so. I, I know. I know. And everybody thinks it's like, ooh, cell phones, awesome, high techs. Foolproof. Always great, great video of everything. Right? <laughs> right? Like, I'm looking at the video right now. I could see the green in the lights. But if I if I bring it up to the camera here, you're not going to see it because of the of the reflection. But, but you can see the... Yeah, new, you can't see doodly whack. Can't see anything. I posted no. that. Posted that to Instagram. Nothing. Big... That even with... Even with really good cameras, which your eye can pick up, isn't the same thing the camera's going to get. Because I see sunsets that are like beautiful purple, pink, and everything. You try and film them, and it's like, eh, it doesn't look like it. <laughs> oh, drove me nuts. Totally. Drove oh, me I nuts. know. You know, especially it, irritating with all this, the uh, the skeptical people with the Bigfoot thing. How come you can't get a decent picture? Well, let's see your decent pictures. <laughs> There you go. Now that one's cool. Looking that's that's the light. pillars of lights coming up. That's awesome. Right? But just, yeah. You're not the Northern Lights, Dave. Oh, well, you got to see the video behind it to see the dancing green. <laughs> exactly. Well, let's hear a, a military base encounter. How about that? We got Can six we and that? a half minutes, buddy. Okay. Well, let's see. Where were we last time? We were at some air base in California or something. How about Georgia Air Force Base? Sure. Let's go there. Sasquatch in the high desert, San Bernardino County, California. Wait a minute. (laughs) Uh, They're confusing us here. What are they talking about? Well, we'll just read it and find out. Mr. Trapp, who told the report that I left off with last time, just wanted to add to your article from the Bigfoot Encounters website dated 1997. I started wondering if there had been any sightings or reports of Bigfoot at U.S. Air Force bases in the high desert in Southern California and saw your article. I felt that after 30 years, your article confirmed the high desert sightings of Sasquatch. As an Air Force member, I served at George, excuse me, George, not Georgia, George Air Force Base, California from December 1981 to July 1983 as a crew chief on F-4 Phantoms and had and knew of several episodes regarding Bigfoot sightings in and around Victorville and George Air Force Base. Like over at Edwards Air Force Base, I had many drinking buddies with the 35th Security Police Squadron that claimed sighting huge, hairy, ape-like creatures inside and outside the perimeter of the base there in Victorville, California. These security police officers told me that they had made official reports because of an unauthorized entering on a military installation by anyone or anything is a priority. They told me about finding places around the perimeter where the metal fence was torn and ripped apart with large gaping holes. But one of the strangest incidents was from a security police NCO supervising a number of sky cops who had the responsibility for security in and around the far areas of George Air Force Base. This man told me of an incident where one of the young airmen fired his rifle, an M-16, at something that came at him from the dark. The airman was scared out of his mind, and when the Sasquatch came out in the dark, he fired his weapon, not really knowing if he hit the Sasquatch or not. But he said that for over several hours prior, he had smelled something very pungent and heard some crazy howls. 
As an F-4 crew chief, my duties include running F-4 jet engines on the trim pad far away from all the hangars and from the flight line. On a night in September 82, my crew and I were preparing to start running the engines. We noticed a smell in the air that smelled like a dead animal. It was very strong. Our tow truck had a high-powered floodlight mounted on the passenger side, and one of the crew members put, a light, put the light on and pointed it into the pitch-black desert around the trim pad, but we not, didn't see anything initially. When we completed our engine run, we sat and took a break and heard something I'll never forget as long as I live. We heard a scream that made the hair on my body stand up. Everyone was totally shaken and called in on our radio to have the security police to come out immediately. We could feel that there was something out there. While we were waiting for the security police to come, we kept looking in all directions into the darkness and listening for any sign, but we heard nothing more. We all felt that there was something looking at us like we were being watched. Mm. One of my crew, who is an experienced hunter from Minnesota, said that he never heard any animal make that sound, including bears or big cats. He was in total disbelief, and we told everyone back at our unit what had happened. Many people in our unit said that we were either drinking or smoking weed. The whole incident eventually dissipated, but I never forgot that night. Later that year, in December 82, I was driving back home to Northern California and was on California Highway 138, about 30 miles east of Gorman. It was about 9.30 p.m., and on that part of Highway 138, there is absolutely nothing. And I mean nothing. It was a very clear night. The visibility was good. I was traveling about 60 to 65 miles an hour, and right in front of me, I saw something big and hairy cross the freeway. I first could not believe what I saw, and in my mind, I thought it was a very large man. The way it made contact with the headlights, I could even see muscles rippling through its hair. That was not a man. It leaped across a two-lane highway with a couple strides. When I got to the point in the road, I stopped and looked to the other side of the freeway and just barely made out a silhouette moving across the desert floor. I was really scared and just drove on after that. When I got home, I told some of my family members, and they all believed my story. I've been telling that story for years now, and because of the History Channel's Monster Quest episodes on television and other programs dealing with Sasquatch or Bigfoot, I again started thinking about those incidents while stationed at George Air Force Base in the high desert in my roadside encounter with this creature. I try to understand this creature. I truly believe Sasquatch's greatest strength is its intelligence, and that could well be. Here's another quick one we could probably squeeze in. 90 seconds. Edwards Air Force Base, California. An additional piece of mail regarding Edward Air Force Base. My name is Jay Brooks, and I came across the articles about the sightings at Edwards Air Force Base, and my jaw dropped. I never imagined that someone would post those stories, but I'm glad you did. I used to work at EAFB as a contract security police officer from October 88 to March 93. I grew up in nearby Victorville, California, before entering the Air Force as a security police officer in 83, nearly 29, 30 years ago now. I can't even begin to relate to you some of the things still going on out there at the base rocket site or the North Base, but your article is right on the nose. The stories are still being told to new people about the sightings when they start to work there, and several people have had Bigfoot sightings recently from keeping in touch with friends still employed there. Thanks for posting the article. I personally feel better after reading it. Also, by chance, did you ever come across any eyewitness reports of sightings down by the 90th East and Avenue E? I used to live out there and be very interested to hear any reports in that area. <laughs> 
So yeah, as soon as you start releasing the reports and other people see them, then you get the pile-on effect. There, I saw stuff too. Super Duke, where can everybody find World Bigfoot Radio? World Bigfoot Radio, World Bigfoot Central, and all attached things can be found on YouTube, Rumble, BitChute, Bright Eon, and Odyssey. You can also find my support groups on Facebook, which is Montana Bigfoot Project and World Bigfoot Radio, and also World Bigfoot Central on the MeWe platform. Come on over. Thank you, Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio. We will talk to you next week on the Cryptid Report, my man. Right on. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio. Super Duke. Super Duke. Coming up next, it's the Dave 101, and we'll get to the strange news of the week right here on Spaced Out Radio, a jam-packed final half hour when we return. Good job there, Super D. Deep. Thanks, Deep. No problem. No problem. Yeah, it's just, it's kind of hilarious how many actual reports there are from military bases and stuff, too. You start going like, this is like the size of a phone book, for God's sakes. How many of these things are there? Oh, yeah, there's plenty of them. No shortage. Oh, my God. None. None whatsoever. So what kind of nasty... uh, Probe happy saucer jockeys you're going to tell to get out of your yard tonight, Dave. You know, I had the perfect topic earlier this week, and now I'm I'm struggling. I've been struggling all day to remember it. You know, you know, when you get those topics, you're like, you're like, oh, yeah, I'll I'll totally remember that. That's amazing. Yeah, I totally don't remember stuff sometimes. I'll be like two weeks later going, oh, crap, I was supposed to call the so-and-so back. <laughs> yeah. I bet they'll be mad now. I hope it wasn't important. <laughs> yep, lots of fun. Well, I'm going to let you go because I want to get over on the other computer and right, see, what, uh, see what Dave Scott's going to yell about tonight. All right, get off my lawn. Get out of here. All right, I'm off your damn line, damn programming. Damn, you Sasquatch hoofed, uh, hairy toed uh, pizza boy. There you go. Yeah, get off my lawn there, Super Duke. Hmm. So I thought I had got rid of this malware virus on my computer. It came back today. This evening, as a matter of fact. I did get a haircut today, Simon. Yes. Trying to make myself look good. I know, Kurt M. It's a great piece of advice that I continually forget. I know it had something to do with aliens. Something to do with that. 
Oh, yes, that is. I got it now. I got it now. Let me line it up here. <laughs> Did that specifically for Area Fifty One just to help him out a bit. Thirty seconds to go. Third, we're heading for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again where I yell at all of you to get off my lawn. It's Dave 101. It's time for Dave 101. Welcome to the world of UFOs and UAP. You know, 
this is a story where I've never really liked the term UAP because it's always sound contrived. Ever since Hillary Clinton said it on the late night talk show, we don't call them UFOs anymore. We call them UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. Yes, since 2015, we have heard about this most annoying and unaccounted for acronym. And you know what I don't like about it was how everybody jumped on the bandwagon. Oh, it's UAP now. I don't use UFO because it's so passe. It's so in the past. And UFO could be anything where UAP is something in the sky. Everybody had their answer to it. Not old Davy here. No way. I stuck traditional. I stuck with the old school UFOs. Why? Because everybody knows what you're talking about. And in the end, if you want to educate people, you have to allow them to know what you're talking about, what the subject is that you are trying to speak of. So I never bought into the UAP crap. I never bought into it being from UFO because here's the thing. When the Two of the Stars Academy first came out, this is where it gets interesting. They said... UAP could be anything in the sky. But if it wasn't adversary, if it wasn't Russia, if it wasn't China, if it wasn't some rogue country out there that developed technology, then it must be something else. But it's not alien. We're not into the A word. No, no, no. They did everything to segregate UFOs from extraterrestrials, which for the experiencers out there, they were left scratching their heads saying, "Uh, uh, what? What are you trying to do here? What does this all mean? Yeah, UAP. I'll call it what it is what it is. It's a garbage term. And no other way explains the trash that is the term UAP, in my opinion, than what we've experienced the last couple of weeks. Because when the drones and the balloon invaded, everybody from government officials to the media were calling it UFO or unidentified object. Nobody was using UAP because nobody in this planet knows what the hell a UAP is. But then I started noticing something else. In my conversations with people in the UFO world, around the spaced out radio world, like Tim Senor and Marquise Williams and Grant Baker and Random Guy, started learning something. I think there's a difference between UFOs and UAP. And there was one little line that one of the heroes of ufology, and I mean that with all due respect, because I like the guy, Lou Elizondo, had stated when he put out a statement that read something like this. The recently publicized incursions of our sovereign airspace are a reminder of what I have been saying for years and the primary reason 
I resigned from my position as director of the Pentagon's Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, otherwise known as ATIP. UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, are regularly flying with impunity in our nation's sovereign air and, at present, an urgent national security threat. But individuals within our government remain staunchly opposed to properly investigating and acknowledging this matter. Why is this paragraph out of four paragraphs, in my opinion, very, very important? Well, to the uneducated of the subject, means that he's talking things flying in the sky. To those of us in the UFO subject, he's not talking about UFOs at all. No, he is talking about UAP. Because here's the thing, people. This is not just a United States problem. This is not just an American problem, a star-spangled banner of UFOs flying through the sky as the rocket's red glare and the bombs are bursting in air. No, nothing to do with that. What this has to do with the fact is we have heard since the beginning Lou Elizondo and many others talk about this threat narrative. But you see, there's this little military that is north of the United States called Canada and the Canadian Armed Forces, where just a couple of months ago, their Department of National Defense stated there is no threat by UFOs to Canadian airspace. So even though there's this imaginary border between the two biggest countries in North America, how could one, the southern part, have all these threats going on in their airspace, but north of the border, there is no aerial threat? Ah, until the balloons and until the drones came. That is what is unidentified aerial phenomena. Elizondo stated that he resigned from the program, ATIP, because, as he put it, this is something that was needing urgent national security attention. These objects were flying in with impunity into sovereign airspace. So he wasn't talking, in my opinion, of UFOs at all. He was talking about the 50 to 60 plus years of balloons and now of drones that have been spying on America, American military bases and assets. That's the UAP that he states he resigned from. Because remember, he stated that this was the primary reason why he resigned from his position. So in the end, even though we got three grainy videos of the Tic Tac, Gimbal, and Go Fast, which are allegedly UFOs, this has been not about UFOs at all. It has been about American security and threat narratives from countries out there who really don't have the best intentions towards the United States.
So where does that leave us? Well, I think we've learned a very valuable lesson here. We've learned that there is a major difference between UFOs and UAP. We have learned that UAP has nothing to do with UFOs. It has nothing to do with little green men or little gray dudes with big black eyes or reptilians or mantids or Arcturians or Pleiadians or Anunnaki or any other weird-looking species that has come down and partied in Vegas. No, we have eventually wanted this to happen, and at least in my mind, the line has been drawn in the sand. UAP are not UFOs. There's going to be a lot of people who disagree with what I say about that, but the proof is in the pudding. The proof is four UAP were shot down. A UFO hasn't been shot down. Now, we aren't saying here that we aren't being visited because we are. There are objects that are hanging out by military naval ships, hanging out by regular people in the oceans, in the mountains, and in the stars above that we cannot explain. People are seeing landings of UFOs. People are seeing these incursions coming out of the water. People are seeing things. People are being abducted. But UAP has nothing to do with what the phenomena is actually performing. No, that is something completely different. Something completely different than 90% of what we've seen up to this time. So we as a UFO world, in my opinion, have to take the UFO back because it's ours. Let's be greedy about it. Okay, UAP is a government term that has nothing to do with UFOs. It's been pretty much painted in the sky above by AIM-9X missiles fired by F-22s. That's it. That's it. And if you can't see that, well, that's okay, too. You're allowed to take your study and take it anywhere you want. But for those who have, the last six years, had the wool pulled over their eyes that the government was actually interested in UFOs, and maybe some are, like Marco Rubio or Kristen Gillibrand or Tim Burchett, the congressman, this makes me wonder... What truth is really out there? And I think Congressman Tim Burchett has said it best. There is a huge, huge cover-up in Washington, D.C. from the politicians to the military members and the alphabet agencies themselves that we are being not told the truth. About UFOs. And alien contact. So I give you this as we start to close this out. If you open your eyes and you start to see the truth, you will see 
that UFOs are completely different than what we are being told they are. That's it. That's all. And we, as a community, need to stand up for our own community that has experiencers in it, that has scientists in it, that has journalists in it, that has many people who just want to know what truly is going on. Because, in my opinion, from Elizondo on up, they don't want us to know the truth. They don't want us to know that there is actually something out there. And they've tried to cover up what is going on by using the term UAP. And if you don't believe me, that's great. If you don't agree with me, you're allowed. But do yourself a favor. Do your own study. Figure it out. Because the wording is right there. And when you read between the lines, a UAP is nothing but a drone with Chinese writing on it. And that is your Dave 101. If you have a comment that you want to leave below on our YouTube channel about what you thought about my Dave 101, I'd love to read them. I read them each and every week, so make sure you take the time to push it on in there and let me know. Do you think I'm right? Do you think I'm wrong? Are you going to dump the term UAP and go back to the original OG UFO? That's all up to you. But I want to read your comments. Let's get to the news. What time is it? It's time for Shirky Pig's News. All right, let's get right to it. Let's start off of north of the border here, where Canada's top ufologist has seen a spike in reported UFO sightings in recent days after jet fighters shot down three separate objects a couple weeks ago. Chris Rutkowski with UFO Research in Winnipeg has been collecting and analyzing Canadian data on UFOs and is more recently been referred to as uh, UAP, of course, for the last 35 years. Chris stated, we received a few more cases or reports than usual since all the attention to the balloons and drones shot down last weekend. There are a few more. Rutkowski says that it doesn't necessarily mean that UFOs are appearing in Canadian skies with more frequency. It's just that people are more comfortable reporting what they had seen sometimes years earlier. This has happened before where we've seen a major news story about UFOs. People end up feeling more comfortable reporting things that they've seen a long time ago. Maybe at a time when it happened, they were feeling that perhaps people wouldn't believe them and feeling they would be ostracized or there's stigma about it. And they just felt more reassured that real people really do want to hear what they've seen. And that's the case right now, Rakowski believes. We're getting more recent reports, but we're getting reports from people who say that 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when they were kids, that they saw things and they feel comfortable sharing them now. Reported sightings of UFOs reach an all-time high in Canada and in the 2010s, but have recently seen a decline since. 
UFOlogy Research's latest UFO survey released earlier this month suggests that there were 768 UFO sightings in Canada last year, a slight increase of about 6% from 2022. The number of reported sightings in Canada last year was still the fourth lowest over the past 20 years. The survey said the increase in UFO reports in 2022 over 2021 is largely due to 37 separate reports filed by one individual regarding objects with definitive explanations. Without these cases, there would be no negligible increase in UFO reports last year at all. The term UFO was coined back in the 1950s to move away from calling them flying saucers with its sci-fi implications, Rakowski said. They thought UFOs seemed more objective and scientific, and Rakowski states, but of course, over the years, UFO has come to mean aliens and whatnot. The term has been misattributed, I suppose, is the best way of saying it over the years, when in fact, it is still the best term. Yeah, he, I like Rakowski. Not a UAP garbage term guy like that. No, tell it like it is. It's UFO. Good job, Chris. Good job. All right, let's move on here. Anybody see that weird, mysterious ball that washed up on a beach in Japan? Yeah, there's still puzzled locals sparking a flurry of social media expectations. The nearly five-foot-wide orb was spotted by a resident in Japan, according to the public broadcaster. Officials cordoned off the area and sent a bomb squad in to investigate the sphere. An X-ray of the object determined that it was hollow, with authorities saying that it did not pose any threat to the public. A local man at the beach told the media that there was uh, he was surprised by the attention, claiming the orb had been on the beach for a month. I tried to push it, but it wouldn't budge. The discovery of the washed-up object comes a few weeks after the U.S. shot down a Chinese spy balloon and a week after Japan said it strongly suggested several Chinese spy balloons had been spotted over its territory in recent years. Authorities reportedly don't know what the sphere is or where it came from, though it didn't stop social media users from speculating that it was a UFO, a Godzilla egg, or even an orb from the Dragon Ball manja. All right, let's continue on. An Ohio pizzeria has gone viral after advertising for positions in a very novel way. Santonio's or Santino's Pizza in Columbus decided to have a little fun while searching for staffers with the sign that read, Now Hiring Non-Stupid People. The sign has sparked a massive debate online. Of course it would, because people need to be offended by this. I don't know why, but they need to be. With some finding it offensive, see? while others branding it hilarious. The sign went up last week but caught the attention after being shared on Facebook. The chief pizza pie surveyor, owner Jaden Dunnigan, says the sign was meant to be a joke because we're not allowed to laugh anymore. No, we have to take offense. It is more humor than anything, Dunnigan said. A lot of people we've hired just don't want to work. There is no work ethic. So that's what the meaning behind the sign is when it says non-stupid. And finally tonight, we got to stop in Florida. You know that. Florida people have come up with a lot of strange ideas, but here's another one. Apparently, there is a new bill that's being proposed in the state that would ban dogs from sticking their heads out of car windows. Yes, this is apparently a real problem in Florida. State Senator Lauren Brook, a Democrat who represents parts of South Florida, introduced the animal welfare bill last week 
owners would be prohibited from allowing their dog to extend their head or any other part of their body outside a motor vehicle window while the person is operating the motor vehicle on a public roadway. If the bill is passed, dogs must also be on a harness or in a pet seatbelt while traveling in a car. The bill, SB 932, would also ban the sale of rabbits in March and April. I agree with that. Require the Department of Law Enforcement to create a public list of convicted animal abusers. Prohibit cat owners from declining their pets as well. That's a good one. Let the dogs have the wind in their face, Florida. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in, at work, at home, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAB, Facebook, Spreaker, LinkedIn, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag SpacedOutRadio. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because together, my friends, we're watching. We own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night. Start your future at Eastern Shipbuilding Group and begin a new career that offers long-term financial stability, increased wages, bonuses, with full benefits. Eastern Shipbuilding, located on the world's most beautiful beaches in Panama City, Florida, has been committed to producing the highest quality vessels for our customers for over 40 years. Now, hiring first-class ship fitters, welders, electricians, pipe fitters, and many more. Offering a relocation bonus and the potential to exceed $80,000 or more for most of our top craft positions with incentive bonuses and overtime. Apply at Eastern Shipbuilding. Start your future at Eastern Shipbuilding Group and begin a new career that offers long-term financial stability, increased wages, bonuses, with full benefits. Eastern Shipbuilding, located on the world's most beautiful beaches in Panama City, Florida, has been committed to producing the highest quality vessels for our customers for over 40 years. Now, hiring first-class ship fitters, welders, electricians, pipe fitters, and many more. Offering a relocation bonus and the potential to exceed $80,000 or more for most of our top craft positions with incentive bonuses and overtime. Apply at Eastern Shipbuilding dot com.